Welcome to the NWO Sports Podcast. Here's your host, Logan Bailey. Welcome to the NWO Sports Podcast, football edition brought to you by our primary sponsor, Three Chord. I'm your host, Logan Bailey, joined today by Keith Brown, AJ Fairchild, and Tony Fairchild. So thanks again for joining, guys. And we are now into round two of the playoffs. Thoughts going into this week? Just keeps trying to get better, I think, as you play along. Weather's not going to be as nice, maybe. <laughs> it's getting colder out there. Feels more like week two. Yeah, as evident by today, it was snowfall on yeah. the ground. Uh, Friday, I think it's supposed to be 60. Uh, yeah, that'd be overcast good. 60 so nothing like today welcome to reality today i guess <laughs> <laughs> i know we i was at work and looked out the window and there's a nice little flurry going on yeah, and snow was sticking on the ground a little bit as well big so. flakes today yeah definitely so and like tony you said you know it's only going to get harder from here now pretty much all the teams are going to have like some kind of winning record as right. well um it just it only gets harder as you progress in the region yep teams only get better yep and something interesting i just wanted to look at and point out um how the seeds did so obviously with the expanded playoffs people always wonder how do teams match up you know with 16 teams per region well uh number one seeds went 16 and 0 as everyone can probably assume yeah number two seeds went 25 and 3 Three 15 seeds advanced. Three seeds went 25 and three with the three of the 14 seeds advancing. Four seeds went 24 and four with four of the 13 seeds advancing. The five seeds went 22 and six with six of the 12 seeds advancing. The six seeds went 24 and four with four of the 11 seeds advancing. Uh, the seven seeds went 20 and eight with eight of the 10 seeds advancing. And the eight seeds went 10 and 18 with 18 of the nine seeds advancing. So. Uh, just kind of interesting there to see how all those teams fared out um, and that's always a big conversation whether you know is expanding the teams per region the right move is it not the right move does it decrease the quality of the playoffs? so i think that's just interesting for everyone to see and how they kind of fare out which is pretty much how everyone can assume it's basically the same as uh, ncaa march yep. madness hey, you, you figure the, the top seeds are always going to move on pretty well and then yeah. you know you get to the eight nine matchups and that's always a toss-up so right <clears throat> Looking at the NW Sports game of the week, we're looking at Winford at Tenora, and this game went into overtime with Winford winning 31-28. to We were all at that game broadcasting with Tenora Rams live. Winford actually led this game at halftime 14-7. to Looking at total offense, Winford had 385 yards with 312 yards rushing. Tenora had 236 yards with 145 rushing. Turnover battle, Winford had two with two fumbles. Tenora had one with a fumble and then one with an interception. Looking at some top players, players of note from Tenora, running back Grady Gusweiler had 16 carries, 75 rushing yards, one rushing touchdown with three receptions for 59 receiving yards. Running back Joey Geisinger, four carries, 35 rushing yards with one rushing touchdown. Quarterback Dominic Graziani was five of 17, 91 passing yards with one passing touchdown. He had 12 carries for 27 rushing yards, but he did have one interception. So guys, we're all at this game. It was a heartbreaker. What were your guys' thoughts of this game? I mean, just just to get started to talk about before we get into the, all the other crap that happened, but um, you know, it was a slugfest. I mean, that's what we thought it was going to be. It was two, I mean, just two heavyweight champions going at it and just pounding each other, kind of like Rocky and Apollo kind of thing, just beating each other up against the ropes. But um, you know, going into overtime, I guess I wasn't really surprised. I was expecting it to be a good game, and um, you know, just some, you know, just a tough break at the end there. But you know, just. Uh, Winford played a nice game that, you know, 2000 yard rushers. I think Tenor did a really good job of shutting them down for the most part. I know they still had 312 yards rushing, but you know, they, uh, I thought Tenor kept them in check for the most part. And, um, you know, when, uh, Tenor just, I thought Dom had another nice game, kind of controlled the ball. I know he did have that interception. You guys said right before halftime, but 
I, I thought Tenora played really well. Winford played well. And, you know, when obviously you're playing, somebody's got to win and somebody's going to lose. I mean, you're playing until, playing until there's a winner and a loser. Right. I guess I'll be the one to, to bring it up so we can talk about it with the officiating issues. Uh, I don't even know what to say about it. it. It's rough. And everybody we've talked to, as far as officials, you know, from other officiating crews and everything like that, have all said that the way the situation was handled was very poor, whether the call was correct or not correct or whatever. The way the situation was handled uh, when the ball was thrown up in the end zone and the Rams seemed to have come down with it, but it was called a touchback on the field, and then the rush get together and overturn it, and it was ruled a touchdown, which I, I don't know why. They never really gave an explanation as to why or what happened, uh, but when you go back and watch the video, which Logan had up all week, and, I yeah, think and I'll, I'll attach to this podcast as well. Yeah, it pretty much speaks for itself. I mean, they weren't fighting for the ball when they hit the ground, nothing. They were separated. The Rams had the ball in his hands so at the very least it was incomplete pass yeah. there was never possession by the winford player and and for the ref that was right there next to the play to immediately wave it as a touchback you know an interception it's for the other ref from you know 20 yards away from the, the line judge 20 yards away to come running down there and overturn that call is terrible mechanics for, a ref, for, for an officiating crew you know I, i've i've officiated multiple sports and one thing you don't do is come in there and overturn a call like that unless you have a, a you know something that obscured his vision and that's not something that obscured his vision when the guy clearly comes up with a ball it's we talked about it with a couple of the officials one of two things can happen there he either confirms the interception or he rules an inter, incomplete pass because maybe he had a better view of whether the ball hit the ground he cannot come over in there and overturn and say no that's a touchdown there, there he has no grounds to stand on for that and and it played a huge part in the game it, it seriously affected the game now i do have to say kudos to the rams for coming back out there and not letting that ruin their game you know they came out and just kept fighting over and over again all the way into overtime and you know if that call stands as originally called could be a totally different outcome and I think the main argument that, you know, Winford's coaching staff and, and those had, I think they were calling for dual possession. But yeah. if you look at the, the actual term of what a catch is in, in terms of um, like the rules, a catch, is, you must maintain control throughout the entire act of a reception. Right. And there George was all the way to the ground. Correct. And there was no no kind of control from yeah. really any either side. You could argue, make the argument, yeah. you know, maybe the Tenora kid because he came down with it. But, yeah. but you know, other than the that. Winford, the Winford kid did not have control right. whatsoever. <laughs> I mean, you look at the video, he did not even have remote control of it. I don't know that um, he maybe even touched the ball with his fingertips barely. Yeah, I'd say it kind of went into his hands. But the second they started coming down, the ball was gone. I mean, Jacob Bishop came away with that ball. He did a nice job pulling the ball away. Um, you know, it was fourth down for the people who didn't know that it was fourth down on that play. So either way, Tenor Ram should have came away with the ball. Just, just a, um, I mean, I, I'm, I'm literally, I'm dumbfounded as how they come up to that decision. You know, that's, I guess that's my question. I'd like to ask the referee is how, what did you see from 30 yards away that made you come in there and say, Hey, it was a touchdown because Jacob Bishop comes down with the ball and hops up right away. So there was no scuffle on the ground, no, no wrestling for the ball that was he clearly came right back up with the ball. So I just, I, what, what did he see from 30 yards away that turned it over? I don't know. What, what are your thoughts, Keith? 
Well, to start off, guys, we probably knew we were in for a rough night when there was a flag for delay game on the opening kickoff. <laughs> that was a for first. Sure. I mean, I've never seen a, <laughs> I had a never delay seen that of ever. game penalty on the opening kickoff. But, I mean, that's that's a game that had everything that anybody would want in a playoff game. It had excitement, had ups and downs, it had, unfortunately, an ending that we didn't want to happen. Questionable calls, probably a couple of them went either way. Coach Becker probably would say... Neither one of those calls won or lost a game for us, but in all honestly, they, they probably did. Or had a I huge, mean, it definitely had a it huge definitely impact. had an impact because Rams were up 21-14, seven minutes to go in the fourth quarter, fourth down and 17 for Winford, and you guys went through the whole play. Um, one way or another, three things can happen. Touchdown, which you know that didn't happen. Interception, that appeared to happen, or an incomplete pass, that's a possibility. Regardless... There's no way, as, as you guys will see the video, if you haven't already, that that could be ruled a touchdown. So the Rams are going to have the ball first and 10, either from the, say, 20 or 30, and try an old-fashioned snow Rams football, try and run the clock out. Right. So they're still up 21-14. But, yeah, everything for about a five-minute period from the team to the fans to even us. Like, right, you can right. come back from commercials. Like, we were, like, deflated. Like, what the heck just it happened t- it here? It took the momentum out of everything. Totally, yeah. yes. Totally complained. or totally changed the complexion of the game for about a five-minute period. Renford stopped the Rams on the on the kickoff. They came right back and scored almost instantly to go up. Um, as, as, AJ, yeah, as AJ said, give give Coach Becker and the Rams credit. They picked themselves up and marched down the score with about 40 seconds to go. And I would I should have asked Coach Becker last night, but I actually wondered how close he was to going for that two-point conversion right. that he set up for twice. They, they ran out in the muddle huddle yes. twice. And the first time, you know, it was kind of a cat and mouse game. Winford called a timeout, yep. whatever. Tenor comes out and again, and then we're all looking at each other like, oh, snap. I think Tenor is actually going to go for it. <laughs> nope. And then Tenor, I believe, called a timeout. Yep. Um, and I said, it's just a big one big chess game trying to see who, who's going to line up yeah. and what. So I, I'd be curious to see if, if that would have yeah. played out. Right. Right. I mean, you it's it, it's it's just unfortunate. You go from extreme high, you got the ball third and goal from the two in overtime, and you think you're going to bust it in. So everybody's like, just it's just it's basically life in general. You're at a high, and just a flash of a second, everything can change. Yeah, <laughs> no I mean, matter yeah. what you're involved in. Yeah, you know, I mean, it was like you said, the excitement was there. I mean, the Rams, like you said, picked themselves back up even after all that other crap that was going on and, and they played hard and they fought and and literally i mean they had a chance to win and 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 i was we were kind of talking before we got started here tonight you know the rams ran the ball on second down got down there i thought it was like on the one yard line or whatever it was and and you know i was even saying just line up and run it again line up and run it again and then they ran an off tackle um i don't know the kid's first name but blair uh caden um, blair from winford made a great play got some penetration in the backfield upended gus weiler Again, you can't see where necessarily where the ball came out, but you know, just unfortunate. You know, Grady hasn't turned the ball over. I don't know if, if at all all season. <laughs> and so. you know, in that situation, the ball comes out. Uh, you know, you don't want to leave that in, in the umpire's hands. And and unfortunately, it just it just it was a it was a heartbreaker. I mean, yeah. the Rams should, Rams had that game. They had two shots to punch that in the end zone to win that game. And you know, third down, whether he made it or didn't make it, people can argue that until the cows come home. But um, unfortunately, that's what happened. And it just a 
but like I said, a great game to be at. And, yep. you know, as we were broadcasting it, we could tell the other games were finishing up because our numbers kept going up as far as yep. viewers. <laughs> yep. um, everybody was trying to check it out, especially when we, once we went into overtime, it really started picking up. Yeah. And the last thing, too, I was going to say, you can't take anything away from Winford because no, that's, no. That's, that's a very well-coached yep. ball club. Yep. I know I said I played with their head coach, Kyle Skidmore at Finley. He was a phenomenal player. He's a good person. I knew he'd have those kids, you know, right. And uh, he did. Those kids played hard. The Blair kid had a phenomenal game running the ball and yep. playing defense or linebacker as well. Uh, but yeah, Coach Kyle Skidmore, hats off to him because he had those guys prepared. And, you know, anyone, you take away all the, the ac- extra throughout right. the game. You know, it could have really been either team's yep. ball game. Yeah. So yeah, I tell you what, they kept, they kept running that dive play when for did. And man, them. we just, yep. I, I don't know, Tenora just couldn't do anything with that. But for the, mo- for yeah. the most part, they just kept punching that through there. And that's that's how they scored twice, I think, right? They just yeah. punched it. Yeah. yeah, of their 312 rushing yards, I bet you they had. 150 to 200 yards off that play because yeah. there were several times <laughs> yep. they would break it loose for 70 yards. Yeah, I don't know if it was a trap or what they were running. Yeah. Boy, the, uh, they were blocking it well, and it's, there's no doubt that's why they have 2,000-yard yep. rushing but rushers just, in just, backfield. Uh, just one more thing, guys, before we close it up. But we, even when we were leaving, like we stood out there, talked for a good 15, 20 minutes after the game, and most of that senior class was still sitting over there on the bench. I mean, like they did not want to leave either. Like the same with them. Like their season yep. just ended in a flash and half of them, I think still had their uniform on over there yep. just yep. sitting on the bench. I think a couple of the parents got good photographs of that on their social media page. But uh, yeah, I mean, Rams fantastic senior class going out. Um, unfortunately on the losing end, but overall for four years that those guys gave the program, you couldn't ask for anything better. You know, when you, when you talk about that, Keith, that was the point you just made there when they go on the losing end, when you, when you look back at it, there's only seven teams that are going to end a season with a win, yep. you know, through all the divisions. So one team out of each division is going to end a season on a win. Everybody else is going to end on a lose. So, you know, so. You, and it's a game that's going to be talked about for right forever <laughs> for North high school football. Yeah. You know, he didn't get blown out 52, nothing and nobody right. cares. I mean, this is one of the best Sonora playoff games probably ever. Yeah. Probably compares to the Columbus Grove game, right? Yeah, or yeah. when you know, Logan was playing against Mister, yeah. unfortunately. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that yeah. one. Yeah. We don't want to think <laughs> nah, about that right. one either. Yeah. We don't want to think about that <laughs> nah, one That's all right. Well, we'll keep things rolling right. here. I know we talked a lot of Tenor football, yeah. but, again, we've covered them all year, and, you know, overall great season by them. Yep. Let's move on to the next game, Defiance at Bay. Defiance won this game 14-7. to This game was actually sealed by Defiance uh, by Kelton Gibbs, defensive lineman with a strip sack. So that was an awesome play by Kelton. At halftime, the score was 14-7. to this would be a ground and pound game for the Bulldogs as they only had 17 passing hearts for the game. Total offense um, did not have stats for those. Uh, looking at some top players here from Defiance, running back Brogan Castillo, 22 carries, 117 rushing yards with one rushing touchdown. Wide receiver Garrett Rodenberger had one touchdown reception. Athlete Anthony Wilder had 10 carries for 62 rushing yards with two receptions for 13 receiving yards. So, guys, thoughts from the Defiance at Bay game? Great win for him. I mean, being able to travel, what was it, like two and a half hours? Yep. Something like Some that. Way to drive, yeah. Travel two and a half hours and get off the bus ready to go play some hard defiance football. That's fantastic. And to see them come out and, and pull away with the win against Bay, that's great. And I, I love seeing Brogan Castillo get back into the game in a, in a significant manner. You know, he's been that threat lingering there for the last couple of weeks since he came back from his injury. And now I, he's he's finally starting to get back into that rhythm again. Yes, uh, Coach Cooper rallied uh, Defiance and a, a huge road win, as, as AJ said. That's a long road trip on a bus. I mean, just, 
you know, time you get there, you probably took a nap and you got to get the bearings <laughs> back in order, you know, and get ready for, for your warm ups and get in the game mode. But, uh, probably during the week they just practice just one one play at a time is which is what you guys say just just win that play don't worry about the final score don't worry about we're traveling all this way against a higher seed just go play one play at a time and win that play and obviously coach cooper obviously folks focused on that this week and a big big w for the bulldogs and uh, we'll see what they have uh, this this friday when was the last time Defiance won a playoff game? It's been a while, right? They won, they won, won last, last year. Did they won one last yeah. year? They yeah. had okay. that similar road trip yeah. where they, I think they scored upper 40s. Oh, wow. I, believe so. I forgot about that. But yeah. yeah, you know, just like AJ mentioned, Brogan Castillo getting back in there at 22 carries. But, you know, I looked at Brett Zippel threw the ball seven times. You know, I think they threw the ball more when it was pouring down rain a few weeks ago. You know what I mean? It's like, so I'm not sure. Obviously, they saw something against Bay that they didn't want to throw the ball i guess but um worked out for him and in uh you know a 14 to 7 ball game it was 14 to 7 and a half time and and just pound the rock and kill the clock yep exactly and one thing i saw with defiance too is they they definitely traveled uh in style they had a couple charter buses that, yeah. that they took over to really? bay and well obviously we've talked to coach cooper and the amount of support that they get yep. from the community it's awesome to see and you know to help those kids travel and and at least enjoy the bus ride a little right. bit rather yes. than sitting in just a regular old school bus <laughs> yeah. bouncing down the road <laughs> and uh <laughs> right in well, comfort like, well, this is we right. pulled into tenora i noticed Bucyrus had a charter bus as yeah, well they did. Okay. um you know they, they brought a charter bus to tenora so um unfortunately when we went to Bucyrus last year for our regional game we did not have a charter bus we <laughs> the old school so, bus the old school <laughs> bus but you know hey if uh they got somebody that's willing to do that for them then that's fantastic it's a, like you said makes it a more of an enjoyable ride yep. you talk about the support they get from the community but that's also something we've talked about here before is the the support the community gets from the players you know they do a lot of volunteering and yep, community right. service stuff around the community yep. so to see it's, it's a very mutually beneficial relationship they have in that school district and and you know throughout the town which is awesome to see that not only is the community given to them but they're giving back to the community you know even as high school kids with nothing but service to offer it's it's fantastic to see yeah right. coach cooper definitely runs a first class program yep. over there so let's move on to the next game looking at napoleon at bellevue and napoleon won this one 41 24 this game at halftime was 21 12 napoleon looking at total offense napoleon had 356 yards 233 rushing bellevue had 383 yards with 308 passing turnover battle napoleon had one interception Bellevue had four with two interceptions and two fumbles. Looking at some top players from Napoleon, running back Lawson Seibel, 19 carries, 112 rushing yards. He had two rushing touchdowns, and he also had two receptions for 16 receiving yards, one receiving touchdown. Running back George Eggers, 10 carries, 77 rushing yards with one rushing touchdown. Wide receiver Devin Dietrich, three receptions, 85 receiving yards, one receiving touchdown. Defensive back Trey Rubenstein, 10 tackles, which led the team. One forced fumble and fumble recovery for 40-yard touchdown, and he also had one interception. And I want to say... Uh, I had someone that told me about that uh, forced fumble, and he said it was another phenomenal play. I guess Trey kind of came up to a guy and literally stripped it out of him, grabbed it, and just started running, and he ended up scoring it for a 40-yard touchdown. So, again, (laughs) Trey's always making huge plays. Uh, And then quarterback Owen Espinosa was 7 of 14, 50%, 123 passing yards with two passing touchdowns, but he did have one interception. And again, whenever you score high points, there's a lot of people and a lot of players on the top player list. So, guys, thoughts of this Napoleon at Bellevue playoff game? Uh, Napoleon defense obviously coming through big for uh, four turnovers on the road in a playoff game. I mean, if you can come, if you can come away with two, you're happy. Let alone right. four. So, uh, huge, huge uh, game on the defense by the Wildcats. But again, we say about Trey Rubenstein. 
most defenses are going to try and take him out of the game offensively. So he makes up for it on defense. Pick six. I mean, right there. So, hey, I can't score on offense, so I'm going to make up for it on defense. So, um, again, Trey Rubenstein makes up for, like I said, his frustrations on offense at times and, you know, comes through on defense. So, yeah, you see the kids making a lot of different names popping up on the you know on the playlist like you said logan and it's nice that, that they have that kind of weaponry to go to you know exactly. one, one person's getting shut down we'll go to somebody else and those other guys stepping up because that's the other thing is if somebody gets shut down then that other person's got to be willing to step up and take that load and um hopefully it opens it up but nice went from by by napoleon coach swear he did a nice job getting the boys uh ready to go and I get to go to week two. And again, like we've, we've said almost every week since the beginning, uh, kudos to Coach Swery rallying the troops. And, I mean, he had a rough three weeks, and he was feeling a lot of heat. But uh, we're, we're happy for him. Yeah, we, had him on, we, we had him on uh, the coaches' show. And, uh, yeah, he's one of those coaches that's no nonsense. And, you know, we're going to do it like this, and yeah. we're not changing our ways. And here we are, the point in week two. So. Yeah, that, and that's funny that you say that, Keith, because he was taking a lot of heat yeah. in the beginning. Like, yep. I think everybody was wanting his head on a chopping block, right? Yep. And, you know, just stayed the course. Yeah, and you could tell, I mean, the kids are bought in. You know, he's getting the most out of the kids, especially over the last couple of weeks with running backs Lawson, Seibel, and George Eggers. They've been running the ball very efficiently. And when they do, that complements their passing game as well. Because we've seen Napoleon can go out, they can throw the ball really well, and mm -hmm. they, can run, they can run the ball really well as well. Um, so it's just a nice compliment that they have for that run and pass game right now. And, uh, you know, it's taking them, taking them into the playoffs. Obviously this week, they're going to be a little more battle tested yeah. against, uh, yeah. a, a Glenville team, which we'll get to later. But, uh, for the most part, Napoleon's firing on all, on all cylinders. Let's move on to the next game here. And we're looking at Eden at Waynesfield Goshen. Eden won this game 34 27. It was a huge win for Eden as the 14 seed. They took down the three seed in the region. Total offense, Eden had 468 yards, 308 passing. Turnover battle, Eden had three with three interceptions. Looking at some top players, Kyler Sapp was 26 of 45, 58%, 308 passing yards, one passing touchdown. He did have three interceptions, 16 carries, 143 rushing yards, 8.9 yards a carry with four rushing touchdowns to complement that. Wide receiver Max Radabaugh, eight receptions, 114 receiving yards. And Briggs Gallahue and Kyler Sapp both had one interception apiece on defense. Guys, thoughts on the Eden at Waynesfield goshen playoff game? Go ahead. I, one thing that really surprises me is Eden's three, turn, uh, three interceptions they threw, and they still come away with a win like this. It means their offense was still able to produce outside of those drives, which is impressive. You know, anytime you come away with a three-turnover deficit, that's going to be hurting big time. And especially when you're the, the underdog coming in and you're coming in against Waynesfield and Goshen, it, it's impressive to see them be able to pull out the win there. It's nice to see Eden adapt as well. Yeah. I mean, looking at Kyler Sapp, for him to carry the ball 16 carries for 143 rushing yards, obviously everyone on the brother knows Eden does not run the ball. Right. But for their quarterback to adapt, he averaged 8.9 yards to carry and contributed four rushing touchdowns. You know, kudos to them and Coach Bob Olwen. Obviously, we know what his offense entails in the pass game, but for them to adapt and, and make do or make best of what's going on, you know, it looks like obviously they struggled in the pass game a little bit, but they worked things out and they got the, the win at the end of the day. Like a 314, Logan? Was that the, I think that was a 314 game? Could have been, yeah. Something so, like that, yeah. So, I mean, I mean, any Bob Olin offense, you're obviously going to throw the ball around. And Friday night was the perfect elements for a Bob Olin offense. Yep. No wind. Well, slight wind. No rain. It's not wet. It's warm. Warm. <laughs> yeah. 70 degrees. Now, 
if he was playing today, which clearly <laughs> he's not, it may have a different uh, yeah. different outcome. But uh, per- perfect uh, outcome for Coach Ola there. Big big win for Eden. You know, I think Coach, he played Macomb. Yeah, up. Coach Ola. You think about that back in the day. You know, quarterbacks don't typically run for him. You know, they no, stand in a no, pocket Radcliffe. and sling it. Radcliffe, and, yeah, Radcliffe wouldn't run at all. No. And, um, you know, to see Kyler Sapp come out and run for 143 yards, guys, you do the math, he was responsible for 451 yards of the 468 yards they had. You know, he was uh, – so that's um, – you know, Kyler Sapp basically just took the team, threw them on the back, and carried them for the, to the win, in, in quite, quite literally. Yeah. Um, but a, a great game for, for Eden and a nice defensive game and keep, uh, keep you know, keep the W. So – Good luck in round two. Yeah, it's nice to see Kyler Sapp show off some of his athleticism as well. You, we know he's an excellent baseball player. I believe he plays shortstop, but I'm, I'm not so. entirely possible or not sure. Uh, but, you know, it's just another thing. You put your athletes back there at quarterback and you let them have the ability to go out and make plays and good things happen most more times than not. So um, excellent job out of Eden and uh, we'll continue to root them on. Next game here, Fredericktown at Archbold. Archbold ended up winning this game 37 to 6. Archbold, Archbold was actually up 30 to nothing at halftime. Total yards, Archbold had 333 with 167 rushing. Fredericktown, 200 yards with 116 passing. Turnover battle, Archbold had two with two interceptions. Fredericktown had three with two fumbles and one interception. Some top players from Archbold. Quarterback Cade Brenner was 9 of 14, 64%. 166 passing yards with three passing touchdowns. He did have one interception. Wide receiver Chase Miller, four receptions, 95 receiving yards, two receiving touchdowns, a nice game from him. And athlete Jack Hurst, man does it all. He had four carries for 60 rushing yards, one rushing touchdown. He had one reception for 46 receiving yards and one receiving touchdown. So, guys, thoughts the Fredericktown at Archbold game here. I tell you what, Archbold, <laughs> you look at it, 166 passing yards, 167 rushing yards. That's about as balanced as you can be. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, just a, a nice game by Archbold coming out, taking care of business, and hopefully everybody stayed healthy and, and getting ready for round two. Got a big game this week. Yeah, not much more to say about it. Kind of kind of expected Archbold to come out there and perform the way they were performing. You know, it's one of the top teams in our area. Uh, so to see them come out and do this is exactly what's expected. And and seeing it also, you know, I feel like they're prepared for next week, you know, this coming week here against Coldwater. If they came out and struggled in this game, that would be a little more worrisome. But they came out and took care of business. Now they can look on to next week with, you know, some comfort a little bit. Yeah, it's going to be a tough one. I will say that Frederickstown does have one of the coolest nicknames of any playoff team, the, the Freddies. <laughs> yeah, the Frederictown Freddies. The Freddies. Same, same as the team we played last year, Johnstown Johnny's. Yeah, that's, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah. going off of what AJ said, yeah, Archibald, outside of that Liberty Center game, we, which you've probably hammered to death, are probably playing as well as Liberty Center um, in, the, in the area. So um, a big, big matchup this week, which we'll preview later against Crestview. But, yeah. Um, Coldwater. Or cold water, yeah, not crust you. <laughs> cold water, and sometimes you know I look at the score, and I know at the end of the game it says thirty-seven-six, but some some of these scores I don't. I think you have to take with a grain of salt because teams get up at halftime; they're going to yeah. put in their their second oh, string, yeah. yeah, their backups to preserve. Obviously, a lot of times the key come playoffs is whoever has the most healthy players. Right, so, right. I mean, this game was up thirty to nothing at halftime. I mean, honestly, it could have been probably even more. So. Yeah, well, you did. You definitely don't want to get up on a team and then get something freak happen, and and you right. somebody gets hurt yeah. by doing something stupid. Exactly what you said, Logan. But yeah, Archibald, <laughs> Archibald came into this game and they were up 30 nothing at halftime. They took care of business and they move on to week number two in the playoffs. 
Let's move on to the next game. Looking at the Green Meadows Conference, Arlington at Antwerp. And Arlington won this game 27-20. to 20. It was a heartbreaker for Antwerp. Antwerp led at halftime 6-0. And Arlington would outscore Antwerp 21-14 in the fourth quarter. So talk about an exciting game coming down to the final line. I didn't really have stats from this one, but all that I had was quarterback Carson Altimus had two t- touchdown passes and he had one touchdown run. So, guys, thoughts of the Arlington at Antwerp game? This, I mean, it's unfortunate to see Antwerp fall in the first round. I mean, we feel bad for him. Everybody for Antwerp obviously feels bad, the players, et cetera. Um, I had a chance to watch a little bit of this game Friday night after our game. Um, when do you sleep? <laughs> be honestly, I'm sorry. When, <laughs> sorry to interrupt you, but I, I, like not to not to dwell on the like the Tenor game. But I'm not like I'm not even a coach or a player. But I had a rough time sleeping Friday night. Right, that's what I. I mean, so I, I watched I watched this game. But to, to it's almost like Arlington kind of ran a little variation of the Navy offense where sometimes they have two or three backs back there, run the option, run the dive and Antwerp just had a little trouble stopping the run. And, and again, is this like Antwerp was just missing something this year? It's like when you make cookies and you forget to put the butter in, I'm not, I don't know what it was, but they just didn't have the fire that they had in the previous couple seasons. Yeah, I completely agree. All year they've been, just winning enough against some of the bigger teams you know tenora they they beat them well but they didn't play well right um wayne trace they struggled against a couple other games they, they lost airsville so they've been playing kind of their competition level and and you know i don't want to say it but it was bound to happen unless something changed and and unfortunately for them that senior class is so talented and it's kind of disappointing to see them get knocked out in the first round. I, I had much higher hopes for them. Yeah. And, guys, I'm not uh, – first off, Antwerp people, I'm not picking on you. But, you know, you look at the schedule, right? We talked about Tenora's schedule being one of the toughest in the Northwest Ohio, the first three games. And then you look at Antwerp's schedule, the first three games, probably not that tough, right? I mean, they're, they're, they're playing half games for the most part, I'm, I'm guessing. You know, the starters were only playing half games. And then – you know, when you come down to the playoffs, now you, now you got to play four quarters. You know, but I, I look back at that, and then I, I look back at that, and I also go, well, they, they had to play four quarters against Antwerp, or against Sonora. They had to play four quarters against Wayne Trace. They had to play four quarters against Ayersville. So maybe that's not entirely true, but, you know, when you come down to the end and you're battle-tested and, you you know, you, you got to stand up there and go toe-to-toe and punch people in the face once in a while – did that come into play here when you got when you got down in the game? I do have to laugh because you know Tenora did play one of the tougher schedules and they both ended up in the same place, losing in the first right, round. Right, right. So, I know. That's, true. <laughs> that's what I was gonna say. I know. How much can you say that you know strength right. the schedule actually plays into it? Because all the GMC schools ended up losing in the first Correct. round. So Correct. I mean, you know, Tenora did play a tough schedule, which I think it benefited them. Antwerp did play a weaker schedule, but at the end of the day, they still lost in the first round. Right. I think it's just one of those things. Like I think Keith, you hit it on the money. It's just like they were missing something this year. I, I know, obviously, Ultimus, they, they missed out on the fact that he did not run the ball like he did no, last year. So close. you take away that right. dual threat. Last year, I believe he had 20-something rushing touchdowns and close to 1,000 yards, yards rushing. Like, he had about 980. Yeah, so you didn't have that. I felt like Leach, he didn't run the ball as much, and yeah. he's a great, excellent athlete. Um, it's just like they didn't have, yeah, like you said, they were missing something. And, you know, they struggled to stop the run as well. Uh, but at the end of the day, all those that senior class is phenomenal. Probably one of the better yep. classes to ever go throughout yep. any school in the Green Meadows yep. Conference. You had tons of athletes. I'm, I'm not going to name all of them because there's so many. And I don't yep. want to leave right. anyone out right. because right. that <laughs> senior class for Antwerp has left their 
legacy. They've less, left their everlasting impact because they've had that dominance for two, three years. Yep. And you look back, Antwerp had a long stretch where they had losing records, where yep. they lost in the conference. Yep. And, you know, one year, actually, I think it was my senior or junior year, they didn't even have a varsity program right. to yep. see where that they are, they are now. Um, you know, a competitive program. They're going to go out there and they're going to play you hard four quarters. Uh, last year, they made it to the regional finals. They won Green Meadows Conference titles. You know, you couldn't ask for much more. Coach Hale's done an excellent job there at Antwerp. And it's just, it's nice to see the impact that they had. But at the end of the day, would have liked to see Antwerp go a little bit further. But again, it, it's tough. I mean, you start playing against the best of the best once you get to the playoffs. And right if, if you're not bringing your A game, then someone else is. And you're going to end up on the losing side of things. So, yeah. And we mentioned it all year that Antwerp has been struggling against the run. And if Arlington did that Navy kind of offense where they're just pounding the ball and and Antwerp can't stop it. I mean, it's that's what we talked about all year was the, the run game, yep. defensive run game. And just to close the book on this, too, as well, like Antwerp, Carson Ultimus, Brewer, Leach D, and all the other ones. Um, those are one of those classes that kind of filter down to the elementary. Like every kid at, at recess is Carson Ultimus or Landon Brewer. You know what I mean? It's just right. one of those feel-good things that hopefully – will continue on for the next six or eight years where Amherst football program continues as, as to where it has been the last last few years. And to see the excitement out of the community when we were there for the Antwerp Tenora game. Holy cow. Oh boy, that you, was looked, awesome. you looked across the parking lot. There was not yeah. a single place to yeah. park. Yeah. I feel like everyone in the town of Antwerp was, was at the game. And I've talked to some other Antwerp people and every single Antwerp home game, everyone had to go. They had to go support the kids. Yeah. They had to go see what it's about. They had to go get their fish at the fish yeah. fry too. So, <laughs> Well, hopefully uh, they continue that. Yes, exactly. You know, don't, don't bail out because those seniors grab Graduated. Keep keep supporting those kids and you know develop that little small town atmosphere when you go to the games. Yep. All right. Let's move on to the next game. Looking at North Central at Patrick Henry. Patrick Henry ended up winning this one, forty to eight. Patrick Henry jumped out to an early forty to nothing halftime lead. Total yards. Patrick Henry had three hundred and seventeen with one hundred and eighteen eighty eight rushing. North Central had one hundred and twenty five with one hundred and one rushing turnovers. Patrick Henry had zero. North Central had one with an interception. Looking at some top players, Patrick Henry had wide receiver Landon Johnson, five receptions, 97 receiving yards, one receiving touchdown. He had one carry for 15 rushing yards. So good to see Landon get some more touches on the offensive side of the ball. We know he's an all-state wide receiver, and he's one of the best athletes in the area. Running back Houston Miranda had 11 carries, 77 rushing yards with two rushing touchdowns. Quarterback Lincoln Krieger, and I really like what I'm seeing out of him. He's starting to really develop and take on that role as quarterback excellent lately. 8 of 11, 73%, 129 passing yards with one passing touchdown. He had four carries for 33 rushing yards and one rushing touchdown. From North Central, running back Joe Burt had 15 carries, 49 rushing yards. And running back Cameron Laney had five carries, 51 rushing yards with one rushing touchdown. So, guys, thoughts on the North Central at Patrick Henry matchup? Um, for me, I have several things. I'll try and, I'll try and keep it short. Um, I guess for me, what like you said, Logan, Lincoln Krager, it's like, I guess with any of us here with our job, if you're handed new responsibilities, like right out of the gate, you're kind of like, you know, you're fiddle farting around and it's not easy, but then, you know, two or three weeks down the road, you can do it with your eyes closed. Similar situation here to like to with Lincoln Krager. He probably never practiced as a quarterback. I mean, you have Nash Meyer back there for, he's a four year starter, I believe. So you very seldom get snaps probably. And Krieger, also, Krieger was like, you know, in the beginning of the season, you had Landon Johnson, Lincoln Krieger. That was like 1A and 1B yep, wide absolutely. receivers. So, right. yep. So, uh, as each practice that goes by, each game, it gets more natural. He's feeling more comfortable, and he has Antwerp in round two of the playoffs um, with a chance to advance to round three, actually. So, 
is Arlington. Around, yeah. yeah. Yep. Yep. Arlington. Yep. Right, AJ. Oh, it's just, uh, you know, we kind of talked about North Central coming out and seeing where they stacked up against some of the other teams in the area. And, and Patrick Henry's probably not the one that I would want to match up against as North Central because they're, you know, one of the more dominant teams, you know, especially in the NWAL. They do right. compete very highly. Um, and they come out and kind of get spanked around a little bit. But, you know, they did have a good season this year. So come out at the end of the season here with held, heads held high. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I didn't expect anything different. I, I figured Patrick Henry would handle this game very easily. But, um, you know, again, I, I agree with you guys with Lincoln Krieger coming out and then starting to play well, hopefully, and continues that throughout the playoffs, showing that he can throw the ball when needed. Um, you know, Miranda didn't run for the 100 yards, 150 yards that he normally runs for. So, Keith's boy. But, um, you know, North Central, they, they've been, you know, they've been spouting out there wanting wanting to play people wanting montpelier wanting eden want somebody to play them and you know um you know they're going to graduate that senior class that they started their program with mm -hmm. hopefully this thing can continue and they can pick up some teams you know some local teams that'll play them yes i mean know. but but north central two two playoff consecutive seasons for a startup football program right, right. i mean yeah you i mean that's that's impressive as heck um coach thompson doing a great job but yeah as, as, as what tony said you need find these find this team a conference please yeah, yeah. that's yeah. the I first mean, step they you need know what to I mean? get into a conference and, please and somebody. i'll say right now i think that the TAC, the toledo area athletic conference they got a lot of men i mean i think it makes the most sense yep. and this is a program that the kids are motivated the community's motivated yep they're they're stretching their neck out. It'd be nice to see everyone else jump aboard and help them as well. So yeah, I mean, because what, what I'm afraid of, guys, North Central has been in there, like Keith mentioned, two years in a row. They've been in the playoffs. They've been doing well. They have some great athletes up there, and I'm afraid that if they don't get in the conference, they're going to lose the program altogether. Because yeah, right. people are going to get tired of driving two and a half right, hours right, to watch yeah. a bowl game at some neutral site, yep. right. and then you're going to end up losing the program altogether. And they need to get into a conference. Somebody needs to let them in. I don't know who who lets them in, but somebody's got to let them in the conference. Let them in a conference, and like you said, the, the Toledo conference is the best one for them. They can play against Montpelier, play against Eden, and, and that's right there, hometown fields, and then start developing some rivalries against those teams that are like literally right down the Absolutely. road. Absolutely, I mean that's the thing I, right there. You, you hit it right on the head small town rivalries yep. we see it three or four times during during our journey throughout the 10 11 game season and you know you you establish a small town rivalry with these these small schools and boom i just that, that alone will be enough to motivate kids to get out because it's so much excitement around yeah. a game like that you start wanting to be a part of that going right. forward and I agree with you know getting into conference is just going to make it more stable because they're not going to be traveling the two hours. Right. The community won't have to support them entirely. The, the conference will kind of gather around them and they'll be playing more home games and things like that and, and build up their program more stable. I just feel like North Central's the little kid going door to door selling candy keeps on knocking on the door and you're the person behind the door that just keeps ignoring it. It's like, like give him a rock yeah. like Charlie Brown. And, and it's, like, it's like it's like come on man just open the door buy some candy from the kid. Let North Central in the conference. So that's all I keep thinking about. And seriously though like yeah. if they're going to stretch out, you know, they've had success the last couple of years. Obviously Strength of schedule has always been a question, but they're going out to play whoever they can. Right. And they've got to get into a conference. So whoever's out there, they, they need to be let in. I don't want to. I think it's just a. I don't know what I want to say exactly. I actually, I do, but I probably shouldn't. <laughs> don't be afraid. It, it's, for lack of a better term, it, it's BS. Absolutely. To, to not let them in and give them a shot. I know people say that, well, they're worried about longevity of the program. They're worried about this. They're worried about that. 
obviously they've got the numbers right now just let them in and play if if all those fails it's not like it's the end of the world because teams have dropped conferences before teams right. are changing conferences now at an ever ever changing rate look at geez college football the pac-12 is basically merged into the big 12 yeah. and the big 10 so yeah. I mean, it's not like there can't be changed but right. to help support this program i i agree i you know any way that they can get in so yep uh, let's look at the next game here. Looking at Elmwood at Liberty Center. Liberty Center took care of business and won 56 to 14. Liberty Center dominated from this one from the start and was up 56 to nothing at halftime. Uh, things got out of hand quick. Total yards, Liberty Center had 452 with 372 rushing. Elmwood had 257 with 243 passing. Turnovers, Liberty Center had a clean zero. Elmwood had three with two interceptions and one fumble. Check out this stat line here. Liberty Center. The four top players, we got four different running backs here for you folks. Running back Colton Cruz, three carries, 117 rushing yards, 39 yards a carry, two rushing touchdowns. Running back and brother Trenton Cruz, three carries, 44 rushing yards, two rushing touchdowns. Running back Waylon Rents, four carries, 68 rushing yards, two rushing touchdowns. Running back Thomas Moeller, four carries, 63 rushing yards, one rushing touchdown. Can you tell me that the Liberty Center Tigers like to run the football? So, guys, <laughs> thoughts on the Elmwood at Liberty Center game? Oh, it's it's awesome to see them starting to develop a little bit more players. You know, you've always got your Colton Cruz and your Trenton Cruz, and and you got the run game. But to start getting a few more people involved, just going to help develop a few more threats. Now, I'm sure some of these these plays came off of you know once you're up a lot they were probably i'm sure they had their their second string in mid second quarter uh, be, to be 56 to zero at halftime i didn't realize that that's wild i don't think i've ever seen a score like that before and to be able to put up that many points i mean you had to have your third string in by you know late third quarter i would think um not surprised by liberty center performing like this but i kind of feel bad for elmwood in this situation Really not much to say on this other than, I guess, which we usually end the podcast with just suck up every moment because last year these two teams played and this was probably the best game in the area. Yep. Oh, yeah. Well, when these absolutely. two teams matched up, I think in there was it the regional final. Yeah. At Perrysburg. Yeah. So and fast forward a year, Liberty Center still probably better than they were last year than Elmwood. You know, your your seniors graduate. So just enjoy every second that you have because you never know what's going to happen the next year. Yeah, definitely not the, re the rematch of the game last year. That's for sure. But Guys, the one thing I'm going to point out about here, congratulations, Liberty Center, great win. I'm sure they rested some people as, as they should have. But this is what happens when you have a 10-0 Liberty Center dominating team going against a 3-7 and team that shouldn't be in the playoffs. I'm sorry. A 3-7 and team should not be in the freaking playoffs. Yep. Period. End of story. Find somebody else that's got a better record than 3-7. and seven. And I know you do all the points and it all adds up and first round points and second round points and all that. 3-7 and seven teams should not be playing a 10-0 and o team. This is the kind of stuff you're going to have and the game's over at halftime and everybody paid 15 bucks to get in by the OHSAA <laughs> and they're literally watching. You know, it would be like going paying $100 to go watch the Lakers and LeBron sitting on the bench not playing. I, I'd, be, I'd be upset. Right. And then you go to watch this game and, you, you know. <laughs> I mean, arguably, it's decided in the first 12 minutes. Yeah. I mean, you're, it's just. I don't know what the box score looked like, but. That's, that's I, one thing. Yeah, about I believe in the first quarter, they were up either 26 or 28 to nothing. So. Yeah. so, yeah, it was it was under control from Liberty Center from the start. But, again, excited to see what Liberty Center is capable of. I personally think, I think, you know, it's, it's state championship or bust for them because they have all the pieces, and I think they have a really good chance of going all the way this mm -hmm. season. Well, I tell you what, re that region is a tough – I think it's probably one of the toughest regions in the state. Yep. I mean, you've got Archbold and 
Edison cold and Coldwater and Liberty. I mean, you got an Oak Harbor. Oak Harbor's ten and zero in that conference in that region too. That's who I mean. Liberty Center will match up against possibly um, before they get in the regional semifinals. So um, definitely going to be tough to get out get out of there. But um, they had a nice game the other night. All right, let's move on to the next game. Lakota at Columbus Grove. Columbus Grove won this one 42-17. Grove was up 42-3 at halftime. Looking at total yards, Columbus Grove had 368 with 187 rushing. Lakota had 293 yards with 229 passing. Turnovers, Columbus Grove had three with three interceptions. Lakota had three with three fumbles. Some top players from Columbus Grove. Running back Trenton Barraza, 10 carries, 104 rushing yards, one rushing touchdown. The tank. Wide receiver, <laughs> Kyle Hopkins, three receptions, 124 receiving yards, two receiving touchdowns. Wide receiver, Zach Reynolds, six receptions that led the team with 50 receiving yards. Quarterback, Landon Best, 10 of 15, 67%. 180 passing yards, two passing touchdowns. He did have two interceptions, but he also contributed a rushing touchdown. Guys, thoughts at the Lakota at Columbus Grove game? As Logan says all the time, offensive line, sophomore Trent Barraza, the average 10 yards a carry 10.4 yards a carry i mean this kid is just gonna he's i mean boy you can't say enough positive things about him i mean every game he just shines and shines and shines now he's averaging 10 yards a carry here in the first round of the playoffs but a big win by coach uh schaefer and columbus grove so, and i'll say the same thing here 42 nothing at halftime and you know you're this team's Lakota was five and five, but it's the same thing. Um, you know, just, uh, you know, Columbus Grove went in there and took care of business. And like, like he said, Trenton Brazza rushed for hundred yards. And how long did he really play? <laughs> 42, nothing at halftime. Yeah. May, may have seen a series at half, after halftime. Um, but uh, be nice to see where Columbus Grove goes from here. Yeah. I, I really don't have much more to add. Congratulations. Columbus Grove on a big win. Other than other than I'm looking at the six turnovers, it was wasn't raining, was it? <laughs> was it raining in Columbus Grove and not raining anywhere else? Um, but other than that, yeah, nice game. Yeah, and other than that, like you guys said, none of that is possible without the offensive line. Right. And those guys have dominated up year for all year for Columbus Grove, so they continue to do a very nice job and pave the way for Barraza. Next game, Northern Eight game, and this is actually for the the tournament of the eight-man football and this was sandusky st mary central catholic at holgate and holgate won 50 to 12 at half holgate was up 36 to 12 total yards holgate had 400 yards of offense with 249 passing st mary central catholic 111 yards with 74 passing turnovers holgate had one with an interception st mary central catholic had one with one interception as well quarterback xavier mccord 15 to 22 68 percent 188 passing yards four passing touchdowns he did have two interceptions but he also had nine carries for 25 rushing yards and two rushing touchdowns wide receiver linebacker dylan becker six receptions 129 receiving yards two receiving touchdowns five tackles one sack two tackles for loss on defense wide receiver kaden gisagi eight receptions 69 receiving yards one receiving touchdown and running back damian briner 15 carries 89 rushing yards one rushing touchdown thoughts on this eight-man matchup here you said this was for the championship this is in the tournament, tournament. Okay. yeah this week actually because holgate won they're playing toledo christian for the championship and that's oh, okay. at liberty or at uh yeah liberty center oh i'm playing on the turf that's right awesome that's kind of cool no good i mean xavier mccord still you know just just playing lights out in my opinion he's he's probably the if he's not the best player in eight-man football he's probably one of the best uh, definitely the best in the area in my opinion um just good luck to them this coming week yeah yeah keep up the the hard work Xavier it's been fun to watch him and the team 
grow here with the eight man football and always continuing to go out there and, and perform well, even, even with the loss they did have, it was still a good performance. Um, so, so keep it up and good luck with the championship this week. Yep. Uh, for those that don't know, as Logan said, is it at, it is at Liberty center Saturday night, Buckeyes play at noon. There's really no big games at seven o'clock on a Saturday night this week. I don't hey, think. hey, hey, Michigan, Purdue, seven thirty. Oh, okay. well, That's a big one. Fifty-five to nothing at the half. So <laughs> get over there. It's supposed to be decent weather. Travel over to Liberty Center. Everybody says we want to watch eight-man football. We want to see what it is. So get over there and check it out. Heck of a. This is like a. Uh, a rivalry for eight man that's coming up so yeah there's a lot of good and toledo christian yeah. is who holgate's playing yep. both very good teams toledo christian actually beat holgate right. earlier in the yes, season so this will be a rematch and holgate's the reigning champs from last season so there's gonna be a lot of good talented players and you know they're really going to showcase what eight man football is all about in liberty center on saturday night so excited to see that you know i think most likely i will be there some of these guys might tag along as well so we're excited to go cover that game and uh should be a really good matchup so we're going to go ahead. Oh. Unfortunately, I'll be out of town, so I won't yeah, to Tony, it out. Tony's the party pooper <laughs> here. So, but, yeah, that concludes all our game recaps. So uh, we're going to take a break to hear from our sponsors, and we'll be right back. Three Chord is a family-owned and operated business who offers the highest quality embroidery, screen printing, sign, and promotional items to customers of Northwest Ohio at competitive prices. Locations in Archibald, Napoleon, and Bowling Green. Check them out at threecord.com. That's T-H-R-E-E-C-O-R-D.com. Optimal Performance Fitness is your go-to gym in Northwest Ohio, providing group fitness classes, personal training, and sports performance sessions for area athletes. Located in Napoleon, Ohio, give them a call today at 419-438-7265. BSN Sports is your go-to business for purchasing uniforms, equipment, spirit wear, and anything else your athletic program needs, giving you more time to impact lives on the field. With over 1,200 sales professionals who live, work, and serve in your community, we are always just a short drive or phone call away. Be sure to give your local sales rep and Jim Garris a call for any of your athletic supply needs. For any of your auto body or collision needs, be sure to check out Bat and Stevens Body Shop, voted the number one body shop in Northwest Ohio by Crescent News Readers. Give them a call today at 419-497-3111 to schedule your free estimate. Check out Tenora Rams Live. Live events broadcast on YouTube and post-game results, articles, schedules, and more can all be found on TenoraRams.com. Feel free to look up their Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram pages as well. Fairchild Family Chiropractic aims to help families to get better together in the least invasive way possible. Dr. Fairchild focuses on the neck using the Blair Technique and Palmer Package adjusting to correct spinal misalignments. Located in Defiance, Ohio, call Dr. Fairchild today at 419-576-5070 to schedule an appointment. We're back on the NWO Sports Podcast, and we are on to the hot takes. But today, we have something a little bit different, and that's a sub-segment within the hot takes, and that is buying or selling. So how this will work is we're going to roll through a couple quick like points. We've got a whole list of them, and basically, we have our signs. We're either going to we're gonna buy, which means we agree with it, and we're buying all in, or we're going to disagree, and we're going to sell. So we're going to go ahead and see who's buying and who's selling for each of these statements. All right. Well, Tony... We'll roll through <laughs> this direction, looking left to right on camera, and Tony will be have the privilege of leading off every single one. So be on the hot seat every time. A little bit of pressure there. So, <laughs> all right, let's start with the first one: buying or selling, Tony. Napoleon would go undefeated in the GMC. Buying or selling? Sell. Selling. Sell. 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 What's your reasoning? Uh, no, I don't think Napoleon goes undefeated. I think, uh, you know, I think Tenora would give him a run for the run money. I think Arizona could give him a run for money. Napoleon, obviously, this year could give him a run for money. I just. All right. I am selling. 
I just think, you know, Napoleon is playing very well. I, I think that they've shown that they can be inconsistent at times. And I think there's teams out there in the GMC. We saw teams in the GMC kind of beat up on each other this season. But I don't know that Napoleon can pull off undefeated against every single GMC team. I think there's enough talent in the GMC that one of them gets it done against Napoleon. AJ? I'm selling here as well for the exact same reasons. I think, depending on the year, too, how the matchups happen. But I think, you know, there's teams in the GMC that could definitely compete with Napoleon. Keith. Uh-oh. Buy. <laughs> Buy. Why are you buying? Uh, if we're just going off this year, possibly sell. But if we're going long-term, um, just say a 10-year span, I, I really think Napoleon would probably go undefeated in quite a few years. Fair enough. I, I just think they have more talent, more kids. Um Obviously, there's nothing against GMC schools. They're just, at a, I mean, I just think they have more more apples to choose from the tree. Sure. I mean, that's so, why they are a bigger division yep, and they yep. compete against bigger schools as well. So very valid points. Next one, we had another Napoleon one sent in. Napoleon six and two at the very worst in the NWAL. Tony, are you buying or are you selling? That one's a little tougher, but uh, sell. I think, why are you selling? I think Napoleon could get beat by ph as well i think ph plays well at times and again it depends on the year um if you went this year i don't know the point you can go six and two all right myself i am selling reason i'm selling is because you had a great point patrick henry a healthy patrick henry fully loaded they could definitely compete obviously you look at archbold liberty center i think that they could possibly take napoleon not to say that napoleon wouldn't have a chance in those right. games uh but then you throw in some wild card teams you know, if you catch Wasion on a good day, if you catch Brian on a Brian, good day. Brian, I was thinking Brian. Uh, there are other teams that could compete, and uh, I, I just don't know that uh, – I think they, they could possibly have more than two losses if we're looking at this season. So, AJ, buying or selling? Uh, right there with you guys again on the sell. Uh, yeah, I think the NWOL this year is obviously very uh, heavy on the, you know, Liberty Center, Archbold, Patch Henry a little bit, especially before Nash Meyer got hurt. Uh, so, I think – Napoleon would probably fall somewhere right around the patch country. So I think a two loss, three loss would be most plausible for them. That's been a hot topic this year, by the way, is Napoleon yeah, and Patrick Henry, because there's been a lot of talk if, if who would win if they were to match up. And I know obviously <laughs> Patrick Henry's division seven, Napoleon is division four, but I think that would be a good game to watch, especially with a healthy Nash Meyer, both teams fully loaded going at it. Yep, so yeah. Keith buying or selling. Six and two in the NWAL. Do they actually play eight league games or do they just play seven? Let's start with that. So I don't think they play eight. Nah, so they could too. actually go six and two. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So somebody's math is off. <laughs> Whoever sent that hot take in. Well, there's, I mean, there's Evergreen, Brian, Wasion, Liberty Center. Is there Archibald, eight? Do they, maybe they do. I don't Delta. Know. I'm asking. Delta. Brian. I guess we can find out. If there's, there's eight teams. But yeah, so they, they would only play seven. I think there's eight teams they would only play seven. So, correct. So, uh, let's say five and two. Okay. Five and two. So I'm going to buy that. I'm the buy Napoleon guy today. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, again, they have, I think they just from the size of the school, they have more athletes to choose from. Um, not saying that the athletes are better. They just have more to choose from. Um, play Liberty Center every year and they actually have a tough time beating Liberty Center so that would probably be one of their two losses but if, if they would go five and two every year I would solidly buy a five two conference record for Napoleon and NWAL every year 
Next one, looking at buying or selling. All GMC teams need dropped in the power rankings. And obviously, <laughs> uh, for the GMC teams, they all lost this this week in the playoffs, which that includes Ayersville, Paulding, Tenora, and Antwerp. So, Tony, are you buying or are you selling? Well, I have to go back and look at the power rankings to see who around them lost, whether they all drop or not. But I, I, would, I would buy that. They all lost. They needed to win to, to keep their stock high, and, and I, would, I would buy that one. All right. I'm go- looking at it. You know, all GMC teams need dropped in the power rankings. I'm the one who creates the power rankings. I'm going to buy. I, th- I know it's tough luck. A lot of those teams, they didn't really show up and show out in the playoffs. Um, but again, I think the GMC overall was kind of down this season. And I think it's a valid point that uh, I think I think they maybe need drop just a little bit. So, AJ, you're buying or selling? I'm going to buy here. Um, it's tough to say because they were in the playoffs at least. You know, there's some some of the teams towards the bottom half that weren't, so they were able to make it to the playoffs. Um, they did lose, so yeah, I could see them dropping in any rankings, um, but how far, I, I have no idea. Keith, buying or selling? That one I'll probably buy. All GMC teams lost, as you guys pointed out, so you can't actually, unless you lost by one point to like a division two team or something i mean um but i'm buying that obviously if you lose you're going to drop for the most part so i mean for me other than paulding um paulding got thumped a little bit in the playoffs but everybody else was Man, they, they battled Air, I mean, airsville got within 28 20. yeah so i mean sonora, like sonora lost over time yep. antwerp was close i mean it was so i mean uh, it is what it is yep. Yep. bye all right, next one. Looking again at the Green Meadows Conference. Ayersville gets back-to-back GMC titles. So talking about this year and then going into next season. Tony, are you buying or are you selling? Hmm. Let me, let me do my stock options here. Boy, I don't know about that one. That's a... Uh, <laughs> buy. I'm going to buy. Why I, I think Ayersville uh, can even comes back healthy. Um I know they're going to graduate a few, but I, th- I think they're going to be okay. Um, I think they're going to compete. I think they're going to compete. I'm not not one hundred percent sure, but I'd be willing to take a risk. I'll buy. I'll buy. I'll buy one option of that stock. <laughs> <laughs> For me, uh, I am going to sell. The reason I am selling is because you have a couple teams coming up in the Green Meadows Conference. I actually was talking to some people. I think next season the Green Meadows Conference can be the most open that it's been in years. Uh, you talk about teams like Fairview. Uh, Coach Doug Rakes is doing a phenomenal job. You got William Zedike. We've talked about that freshman and sophomore class. They've got a lot of good uh, eighth graders coming up. Going to be in the future freshman class. I think Fairview is going to be up there as a contender. Paulding is bringing back a lot of players. Uh, Tenora is always going to be there. I, I certainly think Ayersville will be up there, but uh, I don't know. I, I, I'm just not confident with with as many, as wide open as it's going to be next season. So I'm going to sell AJ buying or selling Ayersville gets back to back GMC titles. I guess if you're going off this as like a stocks bonds type thing, I, I would probably, I would actually have to probably sell on this one just because it's way too many, uh, unknowns involved in this one. If I'm selling, if I'm buying and selling stock on this, I would not take this bet because it's going to be so up in the air next year between Tenora Paulding, Fairview, Ayersville, even Wayne Trace. You know, I don't Ed, know. Edgerton's, Edgerton's another team. They have some young players Edgerton that are coming back. Out. So a lot of these teams that are have been at the bottom of the GMC the last few years are going to be leapfrogging to the top, and it's going to be a free for all next year. So I'm gonna I'm gonna back out of that one. Keith, buying or selling? 
I'm selling that one. Why are you selling? I'm selling that one. Um, positives, Coach Mickey, hell of a guy. I mean, we had him in here last week. I love Coach Mickey. We all wanted to strap on the helmet and pads and go suit up <laughs> for him. Um, but they graduate a lot of key seniors. I mean, they, 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 they do. They also have some, some underclassmen coming back. But um, lose your quarterback. Um, Delano. Delano graduates to um, Brady Clark. Kenevan's coming back, but you, you hope he's healthy. I mean that's one of those injuries you don't know, but we we all want him. To, we all want him back. Um, you got McConnell, that freshman who's who performed well. So they they have uh, some some young kids coming up. But uh, to me, your your skill level, your skill position players, they they graduate, and it's tough to replace those. So. All right, we're going to look at the next one here. Holgate competes with some eleven man teams. Tony, are you buying or are you selling? Oh, you skipped one. You kind of. Oh, whoops, sorry, sorry, sorry. Time out. Oh, I was ready. Here, I'll go back to it. That's the next one. The previous one. Defiance keeps the upwards momentum into next year. Call me a... Bye, bye, bye. <laughs> bye, bye, bye. I'm, I'm in. Uh, Jim Kramer helped me out there. Um, yeah, I think Defiance has got things going. Um, I think they can keep the momentum going into next year. Yeah, for myself, I am buying. I'm 100% bought in on the Defiance program with Travis Cooper. Our kids are playing phenomenal right now. Back-to-back years of playoff bursts, they keep getting better. This year, they put themselves in actually a, a shot to compete for a WBL title. You know, obviously, they kind of struggled in the second half of the season, uh, but they're right there. And I think, you know, give them a couple more years. They've got a lot of talented athletes there as well. They bring back some kids next season as well. Um, I am definitely think that Defiance keeps on riding this wave into the 2024 season. So, AJ, buying or selling, Defiance keeps the upwards momentum into next year. Um, buying on that one. Definitely agree. I think Defiance has gotten everything going right for them right now, and I think it's just going to continue. Keith. Bye. Whenever time you have somebody like Coach Cooper leading your program and Coach Beauty in the same building, um, it's tough not to buy those two two individuals. But bye. Buying the Bulldogs. Next one now. Holgate competes with some 11-man teams. Back to you, Tony. Since the word some... 11-man teams, I'm buying because they can compete with some 11-man teams. Now, this year's Holgate team or next year's Holgate team? Because I might change my – I might change. I'm going I'm to do this half and half. How about that? Can I, can oh, half no. Half? You got to do one or the other. <laughs> if it's if it's this year's team, yes. And I even think next year, competing with some 11-man teams, to, it just depends on who you match up against. Holgate will could compete against some of them. Um, like I think Holgate could compete against a Hicksville team of this year. I think they could compete against a, you know, like North an Central, edger, an edger team, or not North Central, uh, Hilltop. Yeah, a Hilltop yeah. team, definitely. You know, <laughs> um, but you know, against the Tenoras, against the Ayersvilles, against the Antwerp's that we had this year. Uh, no, I don't think Holgate. And, and again, with, with Xavier McCord, maybe, but I don't think that happens next year. Yeah, and I, I think looking at me, I'm going to buy because of the key term some. Right. I mean, that was a. a Obviously, they can go out. They can compete with some of them. Um, you know, you look at your top dogs. Obviously, no chance against Liberty Center. I mean, right. no, no offense to Holgate, <laughs> but a lot of no one's been able to do that right. this season. And uh, I think too, it's going to be tough if you look at it next year. They do lose Xavier McCord, I believe. I believe he graduates this coming year. 
he's a generational talent. Again, right. we talk about certain kids. He's been a staple in that Holgate Tigers program. Obviously, the Tigers have a lot of other great athletes as well. But for him to contribute offense, defense, special teams, that's a huge blow to Holgate. So next year uh, may raise some questions. Uh, but for now, this year, they won the actually their championship last season. They're going to compete for it this season. Uh, I'm going to buy that Holgate competes with some 11-man teams. AJ, buying yeah. or selling? Yep. Buying and then buying in on that one as well, just for the same reasons. Keith, as Tony said, the key we key word here is some. So some means at least one. All right. So <laughs> buy. All right. Next one for my brother. This one's for him. Bryce Bailey knows ball, according to someone who sent it in on our hot takes. Tony, you buying or selling? Sell. Why are you sell? selling? Because, oh, he just picks the teams like the like some of the females pick teams. I like their colors, so I'm just gonna pick the teams. Huh? I'm just picking on your Bryce, but no, I just uh, I'm just picking on them. All I, right, I go with I'll, the I'll show so I'll show Bryce some love here. I'm going by. I know Bryce knows football, but he is a man of the people, yeah. and he will tell you that first. So he's he's been telling me that all along. He's got to pick the local teams because he's rooting them all on. So I am buying AJ. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and buy as well. He's from the Bailey family, so he knows football. He he's up there. Keith, buy or sell? I got buy. Oh think, yeah, so you guys all go against me. Set me up on that one, guys. I appreciate that. That's how it works, Bryce. You see, I, I, think, right. I think if Bryce would pick him like we do, I think you would probably have a better yeah, record. So. <laughs> Just trying to collect all those free T-shirts and right. from all those fans for, out there. Where Bryce was a man of Archbold last year, now he's trying to get a, a fan of everyone else. I believe the Eden folks are, are loving up on Bryce for his picks. So. Is Bryce going to have somebody make a quilt from all the? School shirts right. he's getting. I know. So <laughs> Bryce is trying to get the in uh, with all the schools. Uh, so. Just pick it on you, Bryce. All right, next one. Liberty Center has the best football culture in the area. Buying or selling, Tony? I'm gonna have to buy that one. I tell you what, their their fans turn out. They pack the they pack the field, and um, you know they got great support from the community. It's that would be hard to beat. I mean, the, there's other schools out there that have that, but uh, LC, I think, is probably one of the best ones. For me, I am 100% buying. Uh, it's unreal what Liberty Center's doing there. A, with their facilities. B, with the, the amount of numbers they bring in for being a Division Five football program. They have typically upper 60s, 70s and in terms of players, fan support and fan base. They compete with the MAC schools. We saw yeah. when we watched Liberty Center Coldwater last year down in Lima. I believe Liberty Center had way more fans there than yeah. Coldwater yeah, did. did. Yeah. And that was about a halfway point. So Liberty Center, they live, breathe, and die football. And again, you drive past that amazing facility in Liberty Center, it really goes to show uh, you know, what they like in that community. So I am buying. AJ? Oh, absolutely buying. I love seeing the community rally around uh, Liberty Center, especially when we watched them play. You know, We were down on the field with them. Uh, last year, I think it was cold water that we watched that game. Yeah. To see the team, or the community rally around them at the end of the game, uh, just fantastic. Uh, they have a a culture that I would love to have been able to see that. You know, at Tenora when I was in school, I would love to have that feeling of being surrounded by people that just love watching football. Keith, bye. We're talking about a school that installed turf, and people showed up to watch the turf being installed. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, seriously, they Amen. showed up in the stands to watch the turf be installed. Yeah. <laughs> well, what more is there to say? Yeah. That's, that's all you need. <laughs> all right, next one. North Central only wins because of a weak schedule. Buying or selling, Tony? You guys are gonna set me up on this one again. I, I, I think I think sell. 
I, I think so. I think North Central can win. I think they got talent, and um, you know, depending on well, depends on what you say. Weak schedule. I mean, the schedule they had this year was it, it, we all talked about. We think was kind of on the weak side, but I don't think that's only the reason they win. I think they got talent there. I think they can win ball games. For myself, I am selling as well. I think, again, it goes back to that conversation we had about them getting into a conference. And some of these teams that they played, obviously they play a weaker schedule. And we know, according to Drew Pastor, I think it was like 90-something out of 106 teams in Division Seven. But again, we know they're kind of dealt with the, the cards that they're given at this point. Right. And they're trying to go out. They're trying to find some decent opponents. You know, some of them had winning records as well. But at the end of the day, I, I think we talked. North Central, I think they can go and compete with, with other local teams. You know, you look at Mont, maybe like a Montpelier. Uh, you look at even Evergreen, other schools like that, but they don't even get the chance to. So I think in order for them to really kind of showcase their their full potential, they need to get into a conference again. We will continue to advocate for North Central because these this staff, this community, the players, they're all sticking their neck out to try to keep this thing going. And again, no one's letting them in. So uh, I am selling on that one. I think North Central, they can they can definitely win against some other local teams. Yep, I'm right there with you guys. Selling on that one. I think they're winning because they have talent. You know, they, they do have some athletes there that can help them win games. Um, they're they're winning these games fairly handedly. You know, some of these games they're they're definitely winning it. It's not like they're squeaking by against some no name team. They're they're winning right. well. So you don't do that unless you actually do have athletes there to perform. Keith, buying Buy. or selling? Buy. Why are you buying? Buying. Um, you, you can only play who's on your schedule. I mean, you. That's the bad thing. We brought it up, hammered it to death. To schedule a non-conference schedule for whoever the AD is there at North Central just has to be a just nightmare. a nightmare every single season because you don't know. Like we already, I can tell you who Tenor plays three years from now in, in the conference. Like you can go look and it'll tell you. Now North Central, they probably don't even know who they play next year. Yeah, they're probably I mean, games yeah, up. you you got to find out who's available on each individual week because all these other schools have conference games. So you're trying to pluck out schools that don't even have conference games that week. And it's ugh, yeah, what a mess. Let's look at the next one here. Looking at mandatory measuring if within one yard of a first down. Tony, are you buying yourself? Can I, can I write this bigger? I mean, so, so, so the eagle eye referees can see it better. Um, I just get frustrated when the referee on our side of the field is pointing first down and the, the two referees aren't even lined up together. Um, yeah, it, it ought to be automatically, if the ball's within a yard, you measure it just to take away the controversy. Place the ball wherever you want. The other thing I get mad about is they move the ball before they ever measure it. If the guy gets tackled, hold the ball there, come up and measure it, and then make the decision from that. But um, this this guessing when the ball's within a yard is just leaves too much, too much uh, to guess. For myself, I am buying as well. I think a lot of times when it comes to officiating and calls, obviously officials have the hardest job out of anyone else, probably probably one of the hardest jobs in general because they're always going to be criticized. I don't like to always, obviously, you don't want to bash them or anything because right. their job is tough. But at the same time, uh, you know, officials need to be held accountable just as if I was doing my job poorly right. or, or you and such and so on. Um, but, but I also believe, 
I think, didn't we hear that if a coach asks for a measurement and it's close, that they're supposed to grant it? Is that that's, what we've been that's told? That's what we've been told. That's what I've been so told. So that, that's something I didn't even know that you could request and ask. And really, hey, I want to I measure it, and they're supposed to grant you that that opportunity to measure it. Like I said, it, it takes away the, if you just measure it, it takes away the controversy. It does. You measure it, uh, no, you didn't make it. You know, you could spot the ball kind of wherever you want, and then you measure it. And then when people go out there with the stick, and you can argue, oh, it should have been placed there, it should have been placed there. But once you put the stick down, and it's a first down. It's a first down. And it takes a question away from fans because, you know, obviously when there's a lot of debate, there's a lot of questioning. You take the sticks out there, the ball's past it, great, move on. The fans right. see it, they like it, it's clean, it's done, it's over with. They can actually see it. It's not conversation that's being had or right. going on. Uh, but yeah, at the same time, I, I'm definitely buying that. So, AJ? Yeah, I'm buying on this one as well. When I see the refs walk up there, the ball hasn't even been. the, the running back still has the ball in his hand and they're already signaling for a first down when it's like within a yard uh, no that that should not be a thing they should absolutely have to spot that ball and measure it before they can make that call at least spot the ball first i mean in multiple multiple games this year we've seen referees from our side of the field when the ball is on the other hash mark or even further over and like i said you can look at the referees they're not even on the same yard line <laughs> They're not even they're in not, agreement yet. And, and the guy's pointing for a first down, and you're like, uh, guys, why, why aren't we measuring for that? The, other, anyway, the other point I wanted to ask, too, how many measurements do you think we've seen? We've been to 11 games this season. How many have we seen? One. 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 And I, I think in years <laughs> past, you would at least see maybe one a game at least. 11 and games you saw this year, I saw one measurement. I, I don't know what it is because, obviously, there's, there's a lot of close calls for first downs. I don't know why it is that, if it is, that they're feeling pressured to not measure. But, uh, you know, years past, we've seen – multiple measurements throughout a game at least one per game so I, that's you know probably 10 less than what we're used to seeing if we see at least one a game in 11 so keith buying or selling oh definitely buy it's almost like the referees like work for aldi's where you gotta get so many items and speed your your uh, customer through it's like we got to get this game over by nine o'clock it's like employee of the month yeah, when he's right, just throwing right. items across yes <laughs> so yeah the, you guys hit every nail on the head hey, but with, with all that being said i do think you know referees should be paid more for you know refereeing oh, yeah, games right you know more training yep. and i think i think that will kind of help out some causes as well but uh you know and we're not saying this to bash the referees no. we, we obviously we have we have a lot of referee friends as well yeah. but at the same time we just want to see a, cl a clean crisp game called and to the fact where calls don't affect the outcomes of right. games so. communication 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 if you're communicating and you're you're showing like you said you take the sticks out there you stick them down and the ball's in front of the sticks it's a first down you move on and people can argue about where the ball's supposed to be placed all they want but hey the stick said it's a first a down call. it's a first down right so you move on but if you don't take the sticks out there and you're calling it a first down and then it leaves everything up to, to debate and then it causes you know issues and coaches get mad and i, I think if you just take the stick out there done Hey, but you look a couple weeks ago, the 49ers Browns game, that uh, <laughs> yeah. that may pose yeah. another question. Right. So it's true. <laughs> so, next one here. We have Fairview wins a GMC championship next season. Tony buying or selling? Boy, I I know I mentioned that Ayersville earlier. Um I think that you know they have a chance to get a shot of that championship, but I tell you what, I'm I'm gonna buy into this one big time. I, I think Fairview has the right things in place. I think Coach Rakes is back. He's got Fairview going in that direction they've got super duper young talent especially with z dyke being a sophomore i think he, he's he's shown you know great strides this year and i think i think they're definitely in the hunt for the gmc championship for myself 
Ah, Fairview wins the GMC championship next season. I'm going to buy as well. Again, they've got a lot of pieces coming up. They've got a lot of young talent. I think it's just a matter if they can all mesh together because we've seen um, different times and games throughout the year where, you know, they go out and play Brian and it's a shootout playing deep into the fourth quarter. Then we see other games. Fairview played Tenora and obviously Tenora is a quality team, but Fairview kind of came out and laid an egg. But I think I think they definitely compete for it. I don't know if they solely win it next year, right. but I think they, they have a really good shot to get a piece of that title because Fairview's the real deal. And we keep saying it. Paulding's another team that's young and that's going to keep coming up. I referred to them earlier. But uh, again, the Green Meadows Conference next season is going to be wide open. AJ, buying or selling? I'm going to go ahead and sell on this one. I think they're a year out yet. I think uh, like the Zedike senior year is when they're going to be the most dangerous. He's going to have the most experience under his belt he's gonna have the most weapons to build upon i think next year they're still a little young and still developing i think they're dangerous next year but i don't think they're going to be at least not the sole winner of it maybe they get a piece of it but i'm still on the train that i think they're still a year out yet keith buying or selling i don't buy that one the reason is i think the best thing that could come out of a loss was that last game against Ayersville at Ayersville. They got a taste of, hey, what this is about. Um, Rakes has been there, the coach. The kids, unfortunately, haven't. So they got a little preview of what it takes to get to the mountain. Um, tough loss in overtime, but they saw right in front of them the celebration and everything. Here's what we got to do, guys, in the offseason. Seven on seven and lift weights and we'll get there so one thing i just kind of want to say on that point how often would you do you see teams flip from two and eight or was it two and eight is that what they finished at i believe three so and, three and well, last year like they, looking at the 2022 season they didn't win a single game so right. yeah uh, so whether they're two and eight or three and seven somewhere around there uh actually i think it was two and eight to see them potentially have a chance to flip the script completely and become you know conference champion the fact that they're even in that conversation is awesome and i really hope coach rakes really does improve that team that way yep moving on here looking at the next one dominic graziani wins player of the year next season in the gmc for those of you who don't know dominic graziani is a quarterback from tenora tony buying or selling boy that that's a that's a good one and i it it really depends on how the team rallies around dom if if they can bring him back, he's got some talent coming back. He's got some. He's he is losing some big targets, but I think I'm going to buy that one. I think Dominic could be. It's going to be a battle between. I think, honest to God, we just talked about. It, I think between Zedike and and Graziani. I think um, Sonora is definitely going to be up there again as a tough team. Coach Becker's going to have them ready, and I think Graziani, as he grows, he's, we showed a lot of growth this year. Um, his first full year as a starter, and I think next year he learns to. As the game slows down a little more for him, I think you're going to see him better. And I think you, you can see great things from him next year as he learns that offense more. This is a tough one. It really is. Because I'm, I'm just running through my head what player. Obviously, this would be for Offensive Player of the Year in the Green Meadows Conference. For myself, I think I'm going to sell. It's nothing against Dominic, but you look at some of the players that come back. I think he's definitely in the running, 100%. But you have Torn Kneven coming back. Uh, probably, you could argue he's probably the best running back in the GMC this season. A very quality athlete. You have Dominic Graziani is going to be thrown into the mix. You have William Zedike. It's just tough. I don't. I really don't know. It could be either any three of them. Like you said, I think for Graziani, I think it's going to depend if if he can have those weapons. You know, there's a lot of wide receivers that are going to be lost for Tenora. 
And, and I think he has improved. We've seen him grow leaps and bounds in the second half of the season. And I, I'm excited to see what he does in a second year in this new offense that Tenor is running because I think he, he's going to continue to improve because he continues to grow. He's a smart player. But when you're looking at the whole outlook of the Green Meadows Conference, I, I just don't know. It's, it's too tough to call, I think, at this point in time. So, A.J., buying or selling? If Dom continues to grow in the offseason the way he did the last latter half of the season here, I'm going to go ahead and buy on that one. And, you know, that really depends on the coaching staff around him, the players around him. You know, it's not a one-man show, so it's definitely going to take a lot more than just him growing. Um, but I think he definitely has a shot at it. Agree. Keith, buying or selling? <sighs> Such a tough question. With all with all the scene, I was looking at the all-GMC team, just trying to pick a couple guys out for next year. Can even, as Logan said, um, there's a lot of seniors that, that graduate that are first and second teamers. So Dom, with uh, with some work in the offseason, I'm going to buy that. He could be the player of the year. Yeah, and, and the thing, like I know I was obviously I was the only one that said sell, but that's not saying that he can't. Right. It's no, just no, that right. you look at it could be any three of those guys, yep. and who knows? There could be maybe a fourth or fifth yep. contender because the, we talked about the Green Meadows Conference is wide open. It really is next year. I don't ever remember a time where – you don't really have that true front runner that is going to pick. Obviously, we've kind of looked at Fairview, but Tenor is going to be tough. Ayersville is going to be tough. Mm-hmm. Wayne Trace is always tough. Edgerton's on the upcoming. Obviously, Hicksville's, I think, is still a couple years out. Yep. Uh, but there's a lot of good teams. I, I will say it's, it's going to be Offensive Player of the Year next year. Probably William Zedike, Dominic Graziani, or Torin Keneve. And I think at least one of those, oh, three, those three. So that's about, that's about right. All right. Looking at the last buy or sell. Not all playoff games should be on Friday nights. Buying or selling, Tony? Boom. That's a buy all the way, baby. Um, just too much going on, man. It's just we got a shortage of referees. So you you know, you you know, you're you're scraping to get referees together for these games when you could be splitting the games up and playing them on two different nights. Um, you know, for us, we'd like to go watch other games besides the ones that you know we're either broadcasting or even if even if we're gonna go to a game on the Friday night, we want maybe catch a game on Saturday. Right. Um I just think you could get a lot more involved, people, a lot more people involved if you played the game, if you split the games up and played Friday and Saturday. For myself, I am buying. I would hold up a hundred of these signs if I could, <laughs> because like all the points that you said, Tony, look at all the things that you're missing out playing on just Friday nights. And I and I I believe from what I was told or might have heard, I think some of the co- the coaches association, I believe that they I could be wrong. They voted against it. I vote. They voted against it because I, I don't think they like the way the schedule is throughout the week. I know it's tough, but that's the way it's been for years. But look at all the pros outweighing the cons for me. Obviously, you look at fans, people and communities, you can go and watch multiple games. That was always the cool thing, too. If you were still in the playoffs, you would go watch other teams play and kind of support those schools. But at the same time, if you only play on Fridays, you only get one option a week. Uh, for us, you know, that was a nice thing because we obviously cover Tenora games, but we'd like to go on Saturday nights and go watch some of these schools, but we we don't get that opportunity. Obviously, this year, again, it's the same thing, even though Tenora lost, but we got to pick one game a week, and that's all we can cover. So you look at less media outlet exposure for these games. Yep. Fans don't get to go out, so crowds are going to be most likely less because you're not getting as much pull from multiple communities. Uh, referee shortage, you look at that as well. Very good point and valid. There's already a shortage now, so you look at quality of refs. Say you do have a couple of really good crews, and they could pull double duty and, and go out and ref a game on Friday night and then go somewhere Saturday night as well. So instead, they're all having to try to pull everyone that they have to go on one night during the week. So I think that's really tough, but overall, I think the, the pros greatly outweigh the cons when it comes to 
uh, playoff games being only on Fridays. So I think they should be on Friday and Saturday. Yeah, I'm buying on that one big time. I would love to be able to watch more football. I, I love watching it, so I, why not throw an extra day in there? Uh, but it comes with refs, you know, splitting up the refs a little bit better because I think right now, like you said, we're kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel, just getting anybody to ref some of these games. And it and it's obviously playing an impact, uh, like we've kind of elaborated on quite a bit today. Uh, you know, I'd love to be able to watch like a Columbus Grove play on Friday and then, you know, Archbold play on Saturday or something along those lines. It'd be, it'd be awesome. Keith, buying or selling? I'm with you guys. Buy, and I can't add anything more. You guys have already hit everything. The one thing I want to point out is like, you know, you mentioned Logan, the Coaches Association voted against that. You know, if there's anybody that's going to be against that would be the coaches. I mean, or, you know, would be for that would be the coaches like, hey, let's let's play all on Friday night so they can't scout me or so it keeps my schedule through the yeah, week. Yeah, I think that's same. more normalcy. They just want to keep it like the kids, but, like their routine. And but the coaches the wanted to split it up. The coaches wanted to split it for to have it on Friday and Saturday. That's that's what's that's what blows my mind. You you would think the coaches would be for keeping everything on Friday, but they were actually against that. They wanted mm -hmm. to have it split back up. Um, so I mean, to me, if the coaches wanted it to stay the way it was, then you would think that's they would keep it that way. But yeah, and I'd be curious to see what like ticket sales would be like. But obviously, there's another factor into that as well, like <laughs> crowd crowd sizes to see how many people are coming out. If that would affect it, but it's hard because you have too many variables going into right. the, in this season for the playoffs. So, well, that concludes our buy sell segment sub segment of the hot takes. So again, that was kind of pretty fun, something new and different since we cut out some of the other segments with postseason play. Now we'll roll into the rest of the hot takes, and we just have a few really good ones here. But the first one, hot take is, what rule changes would make the game more entertaining or better? Who wants to start here? I, I got one. Let the, let, the, let the receivers, let the people go in motion and start running towards the line of scrimmage like they do in the Canadian, Canadian football, football League. Or the, <laughs> or the Arena Football League, when those guys were at top speed when the ball snapped. That'd be uh, pretty cool. Actually, one, one thing. <laughs> did you just see? This has been a highlight in the Canadian Football League. The offensive punt. Did you see that? So basically, they, right, th yeah. they, they throw it to a receiver on offense. If it's like third down and two or fourth down and two, or third down and two, the receiver takes it and they punt, like do a little punt like a yard in front of them they pick it up and it's a reset of downs i have never i didn't know there's such a thing it's been highlighted so much recently because they're like oh yeah this canadian football team's really utilizing the offensive punt to reset the downs and i said what and i had to go back and watch it wow so basically they throw the ball to a wide receiver out in the flats he just he drops it he touches it with his foot a couple inches in front of him he picks it up and falls down on it and it's a reset of downs <laughs> Wow, <laughs> that would be weird. But I've seen that. But I don't. I don't think that rule should be implemented. No, I do not. But <laughs> interesting things that you could see. Yeah. For for me, I look at rule changes, and I talked to these guys earlier. We live in such a techno technologic society. That every game, not every game, but most of the games, there's some sort of video coverage or media exposure. I think there's got to be some way because we saw games be obviously determined due to some poor calls of officials. I think if, if you have access and ease of access to possible instant replay, I wonder if there's some way you can incorporate it. Obviously, yeah. Tenora, we video every single Tenora game and we have a high definition camera. At least you can see one angle. So if you have occurrences like we saw on Friday night, maybe the referee crew, they can look at it and say, oh wow, I think yeah. we were correct with the way our call was. and the call stands and it would take less than five minutes because as long as you have, that's the thing. There's so many different variables. Say if you don't have internet access because you're out in the country, but Tenora, 
for instance, we, you could just literally get on YouTube, rewind it 30 seconds, and you could see the whole play yep. from start to finish. And it's not, it's only one angle. It's not multiple angles, but it'd be at least hopefully enough to kind of help verify some of these calls. So that, that would be kind of my main rule change. Well, and it would also probably follow the same suit as, you know, NFL and college where it's got to be indisputable evidence to overturn a call. You know, if they, they look at it and like, yeah, I can't really tell from this one angle we have, then let it stand. You know, but, but if obviously you come up with, you know, the wrong player comes up with the ball and you can clearly see what's going on then maybe overturn it and obviously i mean i know that's kind of far-fetched because obviously not every school is going to have access to that right. not every school has video coverage not every school has access to the internet or wi-fi or cellular or whatever so obviously that's a little more far-fetched i would like to see something like that to to avoid unfortunate circumstances um, like we've seen in games, but uh, you know, it, it one can only wish. Well, as much time as they spend talking about it, you might as well spend five <laughs> minutes looking at the video. Right? Yeah, that's yeah. true too. Honestly, <laughs> it's what do you th- what do you think, Keith? What do you got to make the game more entertaining? <sighs> Boy, I I really don't have anything. Honestly, I mean, I think it's other than the stuff we've already hit uh, several times. Well, what, what about what, something better? That's what I said. I, that's why I think if, you, if you went in motion and went towards line scrimmage, that's something that can make yeah, it a little that's more entertaining. One of those things where your referee just, you know, I guess you'd take that out. You really wouldn't have a illegal motion because you can move towards the line. But um, I've, I've got another good one. I think the alignment of rules from high school to college to NFL, I think they should be more similar because obviously, I, you know, moving the ball, the hash marks are different. The field goal post is different, which I agree with that. But as far as like, you know, the rules where we had misinterpretations of catching the ball out of bounds right. during a kickoff, I think that would clear up and make it easier for people to mm-hmm. follow. Cause you know, it's some of them, we don't know. Okay. That's legal in college, but it's not in NFL. It's this in high school. It's not in college. It's that in right. NFL. I think that would kind of help some things as well. Yep. And obviously at the end of the day, they're still playing the sport of football. So it's just the little <laughs> intricacies. I think if they could kind of align those a little bit better, I think that would be more enjoyable and it would make the, the game um, better as well too. So obviously I don't think a, a high school kicker should be kicking between NFL uprights because I don't think you'd see ever see a kicker <laughs> in high school, but uh I don't know. Keith, did you have any other ones? No, I don't have any. All right. Next one. Patrick Henry sneaks out of the region. And we talked about Patrick Henry a little bit earlier. And just pulling up the region, their Division 7, Region 26. Patrick Henry, obviously being the five seed, they kind of lucked out with Antwerp winning because actually they get a second round home game against or Arlington. Antwerp losing. Or Antwerp losing, I'm sorry. And so they get a second round matchup at home and i really kind of like their their chances there so obviously if they they pull out a win this week that's a win in round two i'd have to pull up the bracket to see i know obviously there's some tough teams yeah they got they would run into hopewell loudon in the semifinals, i believe and you look uh what is it? <clears throat> Tiffin Calvert, the two seed, they actually lost to Crestview, and Crestview yeah. whooped them. They beat them 42 to 14. Mm-hmm. So I think this region's really starting to open up. I think Macomb's a tough team. Actually, I think Macomb may be one of the top ones. I think Lima Central Catholic's a dark horse. Yeah, that's I, I that's the one I think the one kicker. I think Lima Central Catholic could possibly go uh, deep in this region. Yeah, I would agree with this. I think anybody that comes out of this region is going to be just sneaking out of it. It's a tough onslaught they're, they're going to be playing in the next couple of weeks here and i think whoever comes out of it it's going to come out of it with the skin on the, their backs i mean that's <laughs> going to be about it they're they're going to be playing a, a heck of a gauntlet coming up yeah patrick henry's adjusted nicely i mean they give they've gotten three or four weeks to adjust to the loss of nash and like you said every every week uh, lincoln gets better so i mean who's to say 
Patrick Henry. I mean, their offense is hard to stop. I mean, and, and you add the you know the confident uh, Krieger to that mix, and who's to say they can't? Yeah, and I'm looking at the bracket. So basically, if they beat Arlington this week, they play the winner of Pandora Gilboa and Hopewell Loudon. Uh, so could possibly be a matchup that they could fare fare decent with. So and then if they win that one, they would put them in the regional final. So I still think. Lima Central Catholic is going to be the team to beat in that bottom half yep. of the bracket. Crestview did show some promise, so that, I think that game will be interesting because Crestview laid the hammer down on Tiffin yeah. Calvert. So I'd like to really watch that game, and who would have thought that a, a seven seed would actually be hosting in the second round of playoffs? So interesting there. Who's the, who's the one seed in that? Hopewell Loudon. Hopewell Loudon is the one seed. <clears throat> I, I don't know. I, Patrick Henry, if they get out, it's going to be sneaking out. I don't think they're going to be dominant out through there. They're going to have to you know they're at the battle yep. a couple games and so to say they sneak out uh, yeah i think like aj said i think anybody that comes out there is probably going to be i mean it's just going to be one of those games where they're going to get out of there I don't, I don't think any of those teams are going to come out kind of like we're talking about liberty center which i don't know that they're going to come out of there just blowing everybody away either but um i think patrick henry does if they get out of their region you know kudos to them yeah be, we've talked before that division seven region 26 is probably one of the most complete regions from top to bottom and i think obviously that's why you've seen a 15 seed upset a two seed you saw eden actually win a 14 seed upset three seed so you already knock out the two and three and again that goes back to verify just being a deep region overall uh again i i don't know i'll be curious to see how patrick henry does here and then especially this week so let's move on to the next hot take High school kickers need to get more developed. Thoughts on this one, guys? I know we've we've special teams is always kind of a hot topic with us, and really don't see too many kickers anymore around the area. So thoughts on this one? Oh, I agree, hundred percent. It could be a fantastic part of your game that gives you an extra threat. Uh, Tenor didn't really utilize Jacob Bishop as much as they could have this year. I don't know if they necessarily had the situations they could have, but that was always a threat laying there. You know, if they're on the 15 yard line and just can't quite punch it in they've got that leg that can you know get at least a couple points on the board and we saw last year with uh lc and elmwood i believe in the regional finals game where the kicker came into play big time because elmwood had to go for a couple of two-point conversions and weren't able to get it whereas liberty center had a, a solid kicker came away with a couple of those extra points and they started chipping away a few points at a time here. So I think the, the kickers, absolutely, if you want to have a well-rounded, complete team, is definitely 100% a part of a team you got to develop. I agree. I mean, it's not only for field goal attempts, which you don't really see that many, but just kicking on a ball off, which circling back to Antwerp, which we saw, like they seem to struggle just kicking the ball off this season. Whether, whether it was on purpose or not is – um, but we've, for, from our perspective, been spoiled the last 15, 20 years from, from, our, <laughs> I was, I was gonna say, from we, our field goal kickers to uh, Mosier to Reeves to the uh, camp kids to uh, Bishop. And I know I'm forgetting somebody in there, which I apologize. But, you know, you got Marcus Reeves kicking 50 yarders. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, and, and Mosier's not too far behind. But, uh, yeah, you establish a, doesn't have to be somebody that's going to kick 40 yarders just extra points just consistent and, and, and kick the ball to the 20 on the kickoff you know we can you know, set you up uh defensively in a better spot too man guys i mean we saw we literally saw that friday night winford scored and and uh kicked the ball off and gave tenora the ball at the 40 yeah yep. you know and then they ended up with a 15 yard penalty 
and that you know helped them to get. For, I mean, so you you're you're in a game where you're up by seven and you're trying to win the ball game, and you 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 give the other team the starting you know starting yep. field position on the forty yard line. That's not where you want to be with four minutes to go in the game. You know, so I agree with you one hundred percent, Keith. And I and honestly, if there's kids out there listening. You don't have to be a superstar stud athlete that runs the ball for 150 yards every game. I mean, it doesn't take much to go out there and learn how to kick a ball. And, you know, you might be a, a, a great kicker, and all you do is go kick. That's it. And, you punter, kicker. That's it. Yeah. I mean, if and, that's all you want to do, then you can make the team. You know, I mean. and, and I, I really get concerned a little bit is why we don't develop the kicking game more as a team. You don't have to have the quarterback hold the ball. Have two kid, have a kicker, have have another athlete that can catch the ball and place the ball, and just have them do that all practice long. I mean, it's you could develop that. That could win you so many ball games if you have a kid that can. If you could be consistent there yep. and just boot the ball and, and kick 35, 40 yarders, it's, you put points on the board when nobody else is putting points on the board. <laughs> I want to I want to throw punters into that conversation yeah. too because we talk about flipping the field. I think one game we saw Jacob Bishop, he punted the ball like, geez, it was like a 60-something yard punt. And it was a coffin corner kick. It was literally at the one-yard line. That is demoralizing. That's that's exactly what you want. You want someone out there that's going to flip the field because statistically looking at things, for your chances of scoring any kind of points from from the 10-yard line starting compared to the 40, it's it's astronomical. So th- the fact that if you can flip the, the field and you can push the teams deep into their own end zone, that's a game changer. Yeah. And, you know, that really helps out your offense. It really helps out your defense because of the field position. Right. So Unless you're Kevin Skavansky of the Cleveland Browns, you don't, you don't punt. You just pass it on. <laughs> yeah. Sorry about that. Spoken like a true Browns fan. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Continue. Uh, no, but I, I think it, we've talked about it. We don't even really see kickers kick extra points anymore at right. this point. Everyone's going for yeah. two. No one's kicking at all. But, you know, when it comes down to crunch time, Having a quality kicker slash punter is really a key on teams, and it can really make a difference in games and it obviously help in playoffs too. Actually, I just saw, uh, I think a game down in South Carolina, actually won the game on a free kick, which is a rare play mm-hmm. anyways. He kicked a 47-yard field goal to win the game. Yeah. So who knows? I mean, you never know what opportunities are going to rise. Yeah. But if you don't even have that threat, then you, you don't even put yourself in that that give that self that chance to right. to go on. So. I mean, if you want to work on your not to not to elaborate anymore, but it's one of those crafts you can literally work on in your backyard by yourself. Right. You get a couple of footballs, you kick a couple this way, you go get them, then you kick them back. I mean, if you want to ask the coach for a couple of balls in the offseason, I'm sure he'd let you have a couple of balls just to practice punting. So if, if you like football, but you, you're intimidated, I don't think I'm big enough, I don't want to get hit, but you're still a quality, you know, you can kick or punt, you still have a place on the team. Yeah, go they're, to, they're not going to put you an inside linebacker. Go to a camp and, and yeah. take take some lessons and learn how to kick. And, um, you know, I tell you what, it, kickers get drafted, too. You know what yeah. I mean? And, and yeah. well, who's the kid, uh, Verhoff, that went to Marshall? Like, yeah. he's kicking for Marshall I right he, now. He walked on and he, he was yeah. granted, a I think, a, a put on yep. scholarship. So yeah. who knows? I mean, that can help that, pay that, for your education. Absolutely. And, I mean, and you're not out there getting beat up. You know, parents are worried about concussions and all this stuff. I mean, I see a lot of kids out there with that, that are talented. Maybe not to be the best. They wouldn't be the best ball carrier, but could kick a ball. Yep. You know, coach will take you. There. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the last hot take here. And this hot take is the state championship game should be played at Ohio State. <laughs> Bye. No, we're not doing that anymore. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. <still> <laughs> I think 
for me is for several reasons. Number one, it's centrally located. There's no reason a team from Cincinnati should have to drive all the way to, to, to Canton to play a game. It's just logistically, it's not fair to them. Um, you know, and whether you're a Buckeye fan or not, playing in the shoe would be would be an awesome experience. You know, um, just to be be in that stadium and, and have that experience and be able to run out of that tunnel and that kind of thing would be a, a neat experience. Um, you know, and I, and I think there's t- tons of things to do down there for the fans that could be around. It's you know, because it's a, it's a college town. There's tons of stuff around the stadium for people to do. You know, places to go eat that kind of thing. I think it would be more of a I think it would bring more of a football atmosphere than it than it can. Just my that's my opinion. I think I, I agree with you, Tony. And I I had the opportunity to play at Tom Benson Hall of Fame Stadium when I was with Finley. We played Walsh there a couple of times. Malone when they had a football program. It's a unique facility. It, it's neat to play at. It's an NFL. Obviously, they play preseason games there. Locker rooms are nice. It's I mean it's nothing because it's a neutral site, so it's not like they're all decked out like a normal NFL team. But again, I think Columbus would make most sense being centrally located logistic wise. It's in the middle of the state. I think there's more to do in Columbus than obviously Canton. Canton Canton's kind of a, I don't even know how I would describe the town, a very, I don't know, I think an industrial type town, um, just a different vibe than what Columbus gives. And I think it'd be neat to primarily host it in Columbus, but I think, you know, maybe every five, 10 years, go to Canton just once at least. The reason I say that is to get, at least give the kids an opportunity to go through like the Hall of Fame Museum and stuff like that. That was something I got the, I don't know if you guys have ever been there. It's, It's pretty cool experience to go through and see everything and, you know, obviously it's all there's a lot of things about the nfl but just football in general i think it's a very humbling experience to see how the game has progressed through the years and to see all the superstars of the nfl and the hall of fame and i think that's that's a very cool experience but uh, i think I, I have to agree with you i think i'd rather see it at ohio state but every few years maybe change it up and have it hosted at tom benson hall of fame stadium in canton so aj keith i completely agree i really don't have much more to add i think it would be incredible to walk on the ohio state field as a player you know i've been there once i think or twice on the field like just touring it a little bit um but i would love to to suit up and step onto that field it'd be cool keith i mean for for everybody i think it would be fantastic but for whatever reason like they moved everything out of ohio or out of columbus i don't think there's anything down there anymore yeah that's true i know i'm the not state sh- track meet is the only thing I think yeah <laughs> no well i think state track this year i think i saw it's going to be down in dayton yeah now. Yes. what yes I, I don't i don't think columbus hosts anything anymore everything's been moved out which is so crazy baseball because it was so, in huntington center yeah, down there. baseball is now Maybe i believe wrestling that's they, probably that may be it i think baseball is now that's canton or akron area yeah. similar to where softball oh, is softball's in akron wow. so basketball still played the shot and scene center it's been down at dayton so holy moly yeah i don't wow. it's not like it used to be the, we used to think of state everything used to be down in columbus but yeah. now it's it's all dayton's kind of overtaken everything so yeah i know when you guys played state baseball that was at the huntington field down there in columbus yep. You know, it's just, it's just, it's unfortunate. I don't know if it's something to do with Columbus or with Ohio State or. It might what, do with but, financials and money too. Yeah. Obviously, everything seems to be <laughs> involved about the money. Yeah. So. But yeah, that's kind of interesting. But at the end of the day, I think for the most part, when you think of a state championship, you think of being in the, the capital of the state, uh, being in the center of the state, things like that. So. I mean, think, think about Indiana, guys. Just, I mean, Indiana's a little bit different, but think about Indiana playing their state championship game in South Bend. I mean, that would be pretty cool to play in Notre Dame's field. But it's not logistic, very logistic for the people that are from Evansville. For right. instance, having yeah. to drive all right. the way across the state. You know, but so they play their stuff in Indianapolis. 
All right. Well, that concludes our hot takes and our buying or selling sub segment. So we had a lot of fun with those. Again, uh, I'll continue to post those and you guys can submit those from the fans. We enjoy doing that. And we thank BSN Sports again for being a great sponsor and sponsoring that segment. So we're going to go ahead and we're going to take a break to hear from our sponsors and we'll be right back with our game predictions. Crystal Vasquez of Amerimade Realty is a top real estate agent in Northwest Ohio. Crystal's compassion and enthusiasm allow her to find that special property or house just for you. Located in Bryan, Ohio, give her a call today at 419-799-1243. Jimenez Basketball Academy strives to create an atmosphere to cultivate basketball fundamentals in Northwest Ohio youth athletes, offering one-on-one sessions, group sessions, speed and agility training, and much more. Located in Pettisville, Ohio, call Coach Jesse today at 419-551-8105. Drop Zone Pizzeria is the number one voted pizza restaurant in the region. Check them out for pizza, wings, subs, and more. Located in Ayersville and Stryker, or ask them about their traveling food trailer. Northwest Ohio Basketball hosts premier basketball tournaments for boys in grades 3 to 8 in the area. Upcoming tournaments are right around the corner. Give them a call today at 419-283-5296 or check out their website at nwobball.com. The Thunderdome is your local indoor softball and baseball facility offering private lessons, turf infield, batting cages, and pitching machine rentals, even offering a golf simulator. Located in Archbold, Ohio, give them a call today at 419-906-3643. Nicely Rentals and Storage is your go-to venue for graduation parties, birthdays, weddings, and more. Also offering vehicle storage, table and chair rentals, and U-Haul equipment. Located in Ayersville, Ohio, give them a call today at 419-439-6177. Truland Equipment and Salesman Lauren Brown are your go-to for John Deere equipment in Archbold, Ohio. Mowers, compact tractors, skid loaders, and more. Your sales expert on commercial turf and CCE sales. Give Lauren a call today at 419-445-1565. Back on the NWO Sports Podcast, and we're looking at game predictions for round two of the playoffs. We're going to go ahead and we're going to start with Division Three, Region 10. We're looking at the 9 seed defines 8 and 3. Going to the 1 seed Toledo Central Catholic 11 and 0. According to Drew Pasture, Toledo Central Catholic is given a 99% chance to win and by 37 points. You look at Toledo Central Catholic, they, they're they a whole other beast. They're coming off a state championship last season. They participate in the new, it's like Toledo, Detroit Catholic League, essentially. And they actually faced Detroit Cast Tech for the final game, and that was the championship. And Cast Tech is a powerhouse, and they beat them 48-23. They beat teams like Warren De La Salle, 28-23. Again, Warren De La Salle is another powerhouse in Michigan football. So kind of know what what's on uh, Defiance's hands going into this. Toledo Central Catholic also has a three-star offensive lineman, Mark Nave, who recently he decommitted from Ohio State back in September, but he's got offers from Ohio State, Georgia, Kentucky, Louisville, Auburn, and the list goes on and on. With all that being said, Defiance is going to have their hands full. I think if they want a shot in this one, they're going to have to run the ball. They're going to have to control the clock. They're going to have to keep the the ball out of Toledo Central Catholic's hands. And if they can do that, I think I think it gives them a small chance to win. But we know what's on what's on hand here with Toledo Central Catholic. They're just another beast. They've been a powerhouse in the state for a long time. I'm going Toledo Central Catholic in this one. Yeah, for me, I think uh, Defiance's season comes to an end this week, unfortunately. Wish them the best of luck, and hopefully they can control the rock, like you said, Logan, and, and maybe keep it close. But I just think Toledo Central Catholic's going to be too tough for them. And fun fact real quick, actually the last time Defiance played to Toledo Central Catholic was in the playoffs, I believe in 2012. It was when Deshaun Kaiser was the quarterback 
Oh. And Deshaun Kaiser went on to play at Notre Dame, mm-hmm. and then he actually played for the Browns for a little bit as well. Yep. So, yep. Yeah, I, I think, uh, unfortunately, Defiance the season comes to end here. At least it's going to be a lot shorter of a drive, so <laughs> they got that going for them. But I think yeah. Toledo Central Catholic is just so dominant. I think they're going to take this one. Yeah, I took uh, LCC. Again, it goes back to Coach Cooper just – TCC. Or, or, yeah, TCC, not LCC. <laughs> yeah, that'll be next. Um, uh, you just If you're Coach Cooper, all you can preach is just play one play at a time. Don't get involved in the whole game, the whole, hey, they're better than us, and just win your play, and we'll see what happens at the end. you got to win each battle. You can't win the whole yep. war right, in one right. play. So yep. Yep. just taking it play by yep. play. I agree with you, Keith. Uh, Bryce had defiance, a man of the people. Uh, so he's going to continue to pick his local teams each week. And Matthew had Toledo Central Catholic. So all of us, except for Bryce, had Toledo Central Catholic. Next game, looking at Division Four, Region 14, the sixth seed, Van Wert, 8-3, travels to the three seed, Shelby, 9-2. and two. Shelby is given a 57% chance to win and by three points, according to Drew Pasture. I really had to sit and think about this one, and I had to to compare the two teams. I think this is going to be a good matchup, actually. I think they're they're both pretty evenly matched the thing that i had to look at shelby is they've got a couple of really nice wins here they have a win a 37 31 win in week nine against a 10 and one ontario team that's a division three team uh so that that's an excellent win on their resume uh just going through they've got some other good wins they've got a 62 26 win over a galleon eight three division four team another quality win so i look at these and i look at van wert i think van wert's kind of coming into their own lately they're letting uh you know their quarterback and uh geez brylin parker uh develop and really let him do his athletic things back there in the backfield we know he's an all-state running back he's back there playing quarterback but he's been doing well taking care of the football lately i just don't know if van wert has the consistency to pull off the win against shelby i think this game's going to be close but i'm going shelby I took Shelby about everything you said, Logan. I went, I looked at it, looked at it as well, two or three two or three different pages, and see what they had to say about Shelby and um, pull it for Van Wert, but taking Shelby. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with Shelby, but I think it's going to be a, a shootout to the end. Yeah, I took Shelby. I think this uh, they're going to be too powerful for Van Wert. Yeah, Bryce had Van Wert uh, as expected, and Matthew had Shelby. Next game, looking at. The 10 seed Napoleon, six and five, travels to the number two seed Glenville, eight and three. Again, similar to Toledo Central Catholic, Glenville's just another one of those beasts in Ohio football. Glenville's got a couple of star athletes. They have a four-star tight end and Demarion Winton. He's committed to Ohio State. A four-star defensive back in Bryce West. He's committed to Ohio State. And again, actually Napoleon and Glenville matched up last season as well, I believe. And I had actually some people say that Glenville players were telling the Napoleon players that they hit unlike any other team that they've seen. So that kind of goes to show what kind of brand of football Northwest Ohio is about. Uh, Usually tough, physical, hard-nosed teams. I think Napoleon goes out and competes, but at the end of the day, I think Glenville's just got too much talent. I think I'm going Glenville. I'm taking Glenville for all the pretty much in points from logan <laughs> yeah, they're just like a like a small or they're a ohio high school powerhouse i mean they, I mean, they have been for last, wasn't last year didn't napoleon have the lead in that game last year uh i think it might have been van Wert. it was van Wert. or van Wert. yeah yes, van Wert was yes. playing them yep. had the lead yep. okay sorry my bad i uh, just glenville is glenville and they're gonna be a powerhouse to fight with so 
unfortunately, I'm going to go with Glenville here. Yeah, I'm the same way. I root for Napoleon all the way, but at this point, Glenville's got too much talent. And Bryce had Napoleon, and Matthew had Glen Glenville. And actually, I had to look up their mascot is the Glenville Tar Blooder, and I had to look up what the heck is a Tar Blooder. Um, I've never heard of that before. So, actually, a Tar Blooder is a school battle cry that started during the 1940s, indicating that members of the Glenville athletic teams would whack the tar and blood from its opponents. Thus, our colors are black, red, and black. So, fun fact for you: that's why Glenvilles are. Their teams are called the Tar Blooders. Tar Blooders. <laughs> wow. Okay. Just because they, they the tar because the they whack the tar and blood from their opponents. Because so. they whack wow. the tar out of you. Huh? I don't know. Okay. I had never heard of that mascot before. Hmm. So yeah, they'll probably be changing that in a couple years because <laughs> it's uh, too <laughs> offensive. Yeah. Right. No kidding. <laughs> so, no. Just no. Kidding. Man, they're not the Indians, so they're okay. <laughs> it's not an Indian, so you're good. Looking at the next division here, Division 5, Region 18. The 8 seed Huron, 8 and 3, travels to the 1 seed Liberty Center, 11 and 0. Liberty Center is favored in this one, according to Drew Pasture, given a 94% chance to win and by 27 points. Again, we know what Liberty Center is about. Now, Liberty Center really starts to get into the grind of, of the playoffs. Obviously, we know Elmwood going into that game last week was 3 and 7, I believe. Now, Liberty Center is going to have a little bit of a challenge, but uh, I think at the end of the day, they've got that ground and pound attack, and I don't know how no one stopped it. <laughs> you put 11 guys in the box, I don't know, uh, but no one seemed to figure that out, and no one's even come close, and the closest this season has been none other than Tenora in, the, in week one, so I am going Liberty Center, and I think they win big in this one. Yes, I mean, I kind of laugh, but you're almost serious. Like what Logan says, you put 11 guys on the line. I mean, I, I, what do you got to lose? I mean, hey, let's see what happens. And this is 11 guys and they want to throw. They can throw, but they're not going to run on us. So we'll see. But uh, I'm taking Liberty Center. They're just going to have to just beat themselves here to, to lose. I think even at that point, they, <laughs> Coach Muller will still find a way to motivate those yeah. boys to, to run the ball against 11 down linemen. Um, the one thing Liberty Center does have going for them, they kind of played around a little bit with the pass, and it seems like it was effective when they did. So I think that's kind of a sleeping weapon for them. Uh, you know, you've got athletes to throw to. So I, even if they do get stopped on the run a little bit, slowed down, I think they can open it right back up with the pass game if they really need to. But, uh, yeah, Liberty Center is going to take this one big. Yeah, I'm definitely picking Liberty Center. And, Keith, you mentioned that they're going to beat themselves. And if you look back at the Tenora game, they did kind of beat themselves up a little bit in the first half of that game. Low snaps, you know, dropping balls, that kind of thing. Um, since then, they've been pretty much firing on all cylinders. So, Liberty Center. And Bryce and Matthew both had Liberty Center. So, Liberty Center across the board. Next game here, looking at the same region and division, Division 5, Region 18. And this is going to be the NWO Sports Game of the Week. And we will be at this game and that is the six seed Coldwater ten and one at the three seed Archibald ten and one, and this one's gonna be a hard fought battle for sure. Coldwater is favored in this one according to Drew Pasture, given a sixty eight percent chance to win and by eight points. Archibald is actually one and zero all time versus Coldwater in this series. Wow, talk about two historically excellent programs. Obviously, Coldwater is probably a little bit more well known and has had a little bit more success than Archibald. But again, they both have really good athletes. Coldwater has been battle tested this year playing in the MAC. That's obviously probably one of the toughest conferences in the state in terms of depth from top to bottom. Coldwater is coming off a, a tough loss to uh, their only loss is to Marion Local, which typically Marion Local always wins state. <laughs> yep. So state champion 
And mind you, they are in division seven, I believe, or six yeah. or seven. I can't remember this year what Marion Local dropped to, but nonetheless, uh, always state champions. This one's tough. I've been back and forth on this, back and forth. I think I'm going to go Archbold. And my reasoning is I think they've played potential state champion already in Liberty Center. So they know what it takes to beat the best. I think Archbold has learned from those mistakes. I think they've grown and they've kind of been in the in cruise control the last half of the season. I think they figured things out. They're a very dynamic team on the offensive side of the ball. Coach Dominic does an excellent job with them. I think they're linemen. They've got the size there. They've got the physicality. I, th- I think Archbold, I think they can win this game. I'm going the blue streaks, but I think they have to play clean. They cannot afford any extra penalties. They cannot afford any turnovers because this game could go either way in a flip of a coin. So I'm going the blue streaks. Well, I'm not the Archbold folk. I'm taking cold water. I just like similar points to Logan said, NWAL and the MAC. Competition is there this year for, for Archibald, playing as well as anybody in the area. And really the, the only beatdown they had was the loss to uh, Liberty Center. But Coldwater, just again, one of those powerhouses that just win year after year after year after year after year. Just have winning built in them when they're, when they're born, I think. I'm going to go with Archbold here because I'm really, really pulling for a LC Archbold rematch for the regional would, finals. Yep. I think that would be probably one of the biggest football games outside of a state championship game that you would see in Northwest Ohio. I, I'm really looking forward to the potential for that. So I'm I'm pulling for Archbold here. Uh, boy, oh boy. I, I've got Archbold picked, but I tell you what, the more I look at it, I just – I think Archbold's going to take care of business here, in my opinion. Coldwater's got to travel a long ways, but they're going to bring a ton of people with them. I don't think that's going to be a problem. They're going to travel well. Um, you know, Archbold's a tough place to go in and win, and I just uh, – the only reason I'm really picking Archbold's because they're playing at home. If Archbold was going to Coldwater, I'd be going the other way. I'm going to be honest with you. Looking at the next game here, we're looking at Division Six, Region 22. The nine-seed Black River, 8-3, and three, travels to the one-seed Columbus Grove, 9-2. and two. Columbus Grove is favored in this one, according to Drew Pastor, given a 97% chance to win and by 30 points. And I, I kind of broke down these teams and I looked and Black River, you know, not a bad team. I looked through looking at some of their, their wins and their losses and they play some tough teams. They had a loss in week nine, 19 to 26 to a Clearview team. They're nine and two division five team. They have a really good win against a Columbia 10 and one division six region 22 team. Um, so they, they definitely played some quality competition. But again, Columbus Grove, they've been in another mindset here in the last half of the season. Obviously, they dropped those two games, uh, those two losses early in the season to a couple quality opponents in both uh, Pandora Gilboa and in Patrick Henry. But I think they've corrected things. Their defense is playing phenomenal right now. Uh, you know, I think that they go on. And I think Columbus Grove ends up winning this one again. It's tough to win at Climber Stadium. Everyone knows that and their brother. (laughs) So it's like you better buckle up and be ready uh, come game time if you're coming into town at Columbus Grove. Bulldogs for everything Logan just said. Yeah, Columbus Grove. Yep, easy one. Columbus Grove. And Bryce and Matthew both had Columbus Grove. Next game here, we are looking at the 13 seed Arlington 7-4 and Heading to the five seed Patrick Henry nine and two, Patrick Henry is favored in this one according to Drew Pasteur, given eighty five percent chance to win and by nineteen points. We've kind of talked about Patrick Henry. I feel like a fair amount this podcast. I think Lincoln Krieger, quarterback for the Patriots, 
is really coming into his own. He's really developing over the last part of the season here. And they're going to have to rely on him throwing the ball some here, especially getting into deep in the playoffs. It's good to see Landon Johnson get back involved in the game. Uh, last game that they played, get him some receptions, and he always does his thing. But uh, I, I like Patrick Henry's chances. I think they're going to come out, they're going to take care of business, and they're moving on to round three. Yeah, that's the key here is to stop the run of Arlington. Coach I, obviously, he's watched the film. Um, I think Patrick Henry squeezes us out. Yeah, I'm taking Patrick Henry here as well. Yeah, I'm taking Coach I and his 30-plus years of coaching experience <laughs> and fix this one up. Bryce and Matthew both had Patrick Henry as well. Last 11-man game here, we're looking at the 14 seeds, 7-4, and four, Eden, heading to the 6th seed, Macomb, 9-2. and two. Um, I don't know. I look at this. Macomb, they're a tough opponent. Macomb is actually they're coached by Chris Algy. He's one of the better coaches around the area to his 26th season, I believe. He's got 200-plus wins as a coach. You look at this game as well. From Eden's side, they have Coach Bob Olwyn. He's been coaching for 45-plus years as well. So there's a lot of experience in this game. I just think I think Macomb has played in a little bit tougher conference, and they're a little more battle-tested than Eden. Macomb comes out of playing you know, some Blanchard Valley Conference teams. I think they're going to come out, and I think Macomb gets the win. It was nice to see Eden get that first-round victory, but again – Macomb is a whole nother beast here, so I'm going Macomb. Taking Macomb as well. Yep, I'm going with Macomb. Macomb, because I think they're going to be way too physical. Bryce had Eden, and Matthew had Macomb. And the last game we're going to look at, this will be our co-NW Sports Game of the Week, and that's going to be eight-man championship, Toledo Christian 8-2, and two, facing against, off against the Holgate Tigers 9-1. and one. That game will be played Saturday at 7 p.m. at Liberty Center's complex their beautiful complex there wow you can ask for much more if you're talking eight-man football these two played earlier in the season toledo christian you know they they got them first the first time they matched up again we talk about time and time again how hard is it to beat a team twice in one season we're going to find out because holgate they're the reigning champs i think they're going to come out i think coach wagner's got their their game plan it's going to be all set up. I'm going the Tigers in this one, and I'm excited to see him hopefully win another championship. I'm going the other way. I'm taking Toledo Christian. Boo. Yes. <laughs> Got to make some games up somehow. This is a flip game for me. <laughs> I'm going to go with uh, the Tigers. Uh, you know, it's supposed to be a nice night. I think Xavier McCord's going to have another uh, have a good night. I think the Holgate Tigers will we'll take this one home. And Bryce had Holgate, and Matthew had Toledo Christian, so we are split on that game. So send all those T-shirts to uh, Bryce Bailey at University of Toledo. Um. Yeah, or no kidding, <laughs> right? Bryce has Bryce has picked all the local teams again. He's a fan favorite. He's a man of the people, as he will tell you. So I, I, I see Keith's strategy here, Logan. He's trying to get in, he's trying to get back into second I'm place. Trying to he edge a, a game or two here. Uh, yeah, he picked a couple different than you. <laughs> hey, so maybe he can bump, pop over top of you. Hey, well, I know the Holgate Tigers are going to come out to play, so they're going to get they're going to have. <laughs> me just doing right so all right well that concludes our picks and so guys that concludes the podcast closing thoughts it's going to be an exciting week guys and i wish i could be around to see it um you know be a, it's going to be a great round of playoff games some a lot of good games out there and like keith's been saying all the time man just get out there and play and enjoy it it's going to be nice weather so have a have a good weekend man yeah i don't think it can be overstated enough that Get out there and enjoy the final weeks, you know, final week or, you know, last couple weeks here, depending on who you're playing against or whatever's going on. 
just enjoy the football while it's still here because it's very quickly coming to a close. Uh, and, and for those seniors, for sure, this you'll never get these moments back and you'll miss it for the rest of your life. Yep, I really don't have too much to add. I mean, it's just it's fun to skin with these guys. We can't do it on Friday nights anymore. And thanks, everybody, who did watch and listen to us on Friday nights. As, as Tony said, I think we had close to 700 views, um, live views, watching our Friday night game. So, um, But thank these guys for a fantastic uh, Friday night. And at least we get to come back here on Tuesdays and do this for a couple <laughs> more weeks. So. Yeah, for me, I don't really have much. Just obviously, if you're an athlete and football player, go out there and give it your all because teams are games are winding down. If you're a senior, you lose, you're done. And most kids, they don't they don't go on to play college. They don't go yeah. on to play pros. They don't, yeah. you know, you start real life. So yep. enjoy it while you can. Uh, you know, hopefully some decent weather. I think I, I know mm-hmm. it's going to be cooler than obviously yep. last week. I don't think you can ever ask again for seventy degree weather in, <laughs> in Ohio for playoff yeah, we'll, weather. So we'll, we'll take mid fifties. That's all right. right with that. Yeah. So other than that, we will be heading obviously, like we said, to the I'm trying to think Archbold and Coldwater game, and then some of us we'll see who all goes. But we'll be heading to the Holgate and Toledo Christian game as well. So we're excited to see what those teams have to bring, and um, it's nice that we get to go see some other teams in the area play. So. Other than that, we will conclude our podcast. We'd like to thank all of our sponsors, Three Chord, Optimal Performance Fitness, BSN Sports and Jim Garris, Matt and Stevens Body Shop, Tenora Rams Live, Jimenez Basketball Academy, Fairchild Family Chiropractic, NWO Basketball, The Drop Zone Pizzeria, Crystal Vasquez of Amerimade Realty, Nicely Storage and Rentals, The Thunderdome, and Truland Equipment and Lauren Brown. We'd again like to give a special thanks to Jeff Bat for allowing us to use his amazing facility here at Bat Stevens Body Shop for today's podcast. Stay tuned for the next NWO Sports Podcast in the near future, and thanks for watching. Thank you.